You admit the sign did say Camp Forest Green with an arrow pointing this way. I admit nothing without talking to my lawyer. Told you we should have left a trail of breadcrumbs. Don't start. <laughs> ah, so much for the head counselors ever getting back to the camp on their own. I say we stop the car, get out, and start screaming for help. I was just kidding, Elizabeth. Darren, we'd better turn around. Why? Because I've seen enough horror movies to know any weirdo wearing a mask is never friendly. Hello and welcome to 100 Lunatics, the podcast where we examine horrors, legendary lunatics from birth to death, to inevitable remake. These movies probably destroyed my ability to empathize with other human beings, but now I have my very own show. I'm your slasher sympathizer, Daniel. When I said I was making a podcast, these guys could not have been more indifferent, almost reluctant. It's our bittersweet Calgarian hitman, Nathan. Hey everyone, did you see the, the Calgary hitman on Jimmy Kimmel? And our true blood <laughs> confederate descendant still paying for his forefather's sins, Jonathan. Oh, yikes. And no one gives a shit about the Calgary Hitman. <laughs> except, the, except the people that watched the Teddy Bear Toss game clips on Jimmy Kimmel Live and thought it was uh, unique and fun. Which it was. I was at the game. I was at the game. No one gives a case. shit. Back to Daniel. In case any of you saw that Jimmy Kimmel clip, I was at the game. You lost me at Teddy Bear Toss. <laughs> we doubled up on Jason to keep pace with the Freddy franchise. So we move pace with the Freddy franchise. That's not <laughs> how you should word that. We're not keeping pace with the franchise that made less movies. <laughs> to We're trying to give slow Freddy. Down. We are keeping pace. We're slowing down our pace. No. <laughs> We're trying to slow down. We're speeding on through Freddy Jason. to keep Freddy on pace with Friday the Thirteenth. God damn it, Nate! It's the same thing. What? It's not the same thing. Be clear about what you're trying to say to people. No, we doubled up on the Jason franchise to keep pace with the Freddy franchise because there are more Jason movies than Freddy movies. They yeah, get the not point. Keeping, you're not keeping pace with the one that scores less points. We're keeping pace with the slower vehicle. No. I oh, get God. it. I don't accept it. <laughs> Audience poll, is Nathan just being a dick? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, I am being a dick. So we move from part five of the Voorhees saga right into Jason Lives, Friday the 13th, part six. Now, is, is that it? Or is it Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives? No, it's Jason Lives, Friday the 13th, part six. That's right. dumb. Jason Lives, colon, Friday the 13th, space, part six. Friday the 13th, part six. Is it six or VI? It's VI. Oh, God. But... What what does that mean when they place the subtitle before the colon? Is that like a secret message in some sort of a Hollywood talk? Or is that just 
trying to make it seem different from the others, or is it now that Jason has overtaken yeah, it, Friday the 13th in terms of what's more recognizable? What does that mean? Maybe after the last movie they wanted to stress that Jason's in this, and so they put Jason the first word of the title. So that I way, like that. When you go to I the like box that. office, that's exactly you just why say Jason. That is, I would agree. I would agree that that's also, that sounds about right to me. Yeah, it sounds about right, or you looked up some oddball trivia thing that tells you that that's true no there was there was no trivia on that at all i tried looking it up oh, there's there's no so this, you, this sounds as good as anything else you don't actually know the truth no we don't but that does okay. make sense it was a total you guess on my part you said it first i was agreeing with you total guess on my part but it makes sense i think he's right and this movie <laughs> proves one of your points nathan which is that oh what is that this movie is one of the only Jason films that was positively criticized by critics, but it made the least money, which means we can only assume that the letdown from part five is what kept the box office so low for this film, because the critics, it's their favorite. <laughs> but first Jason film to make less than $20 million. Yeah. But I, I will right. say Nathan's point has no bearing on the Friday the 13th franchise, just the, just right the again. Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. About what? About the previous movie having an effect. Oh, yeah, because he wasn't, he had nothing to, yeah, he played no part in it. Because right. with Friday the 13th, it's all the same fucking movie. You know exactly what you're getting when you go into it. Right. So I have a couple of notes here. He's back. The man in the mask. Don't make fun of Alice Cooper. <laughs> and he's out of control. All right, I have a couple of notes here, and then I want to proposition a slight format change to you guys and see how you guys feel about it. Row, row. Okay. Are, are we not living up to your expectations? No, no, I just, just, this, I just have an idea for something that might work better for us. I'm against any and all format changes, <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> all right, number one, Harry Manfredini still making music for the Jason franchise. Six movies deep, still sitting in a basement somewhere composing all of this music originally. Are you talking about the awful music that was used to stress things throughout the movie in the background? It's taken a dip this late in the franchise. I think we can all admit. You're talking about the orchestral accompaniment that should be removed and or replaced. Yeah, it's getting to be that time. John Shepard, the guy that played Tommy the guy that Nathan was in love with from the last film. Not back. Not back. If if you guys remember, I mentioned that he had become a born-again Christian the last time we sat down. That's why he's not back. So they replaced him with a guy with a terrible speech impediment. Yes. They replaced him with a living Jason Voorhees. Yes. It's like an impersonation of Ben Stiller (laughs) during an impersonation of someone else. So John Shepard's not back. He found God. He found the franchise vapid and violent which which is an argument for or against isn't that the point and we're at one year after part five this is taking place one year after part five tommy is being released from his stay at the asylum that's where we're standing and for the end i have a twitter question so we have that to look forward to Oh, for the end you of the have, podcast. You have a Twitter question from, from somebody, from one of our listeners? Yes. Oh, wow. That's cool. Now, for the format change, what do you guys think about we take the stack, we move it to the front of the podcast, and changing stack to stab? 
Sex, Uh-oh. tits, and body count. Oh, way better. No more creative kills? No more creative kills. How Sex. does it stab? Sex, <laughs> tits, and body count. Can body count be a compound word? I can today. It can be, but it doesn't it's like it doesn't have a signature sentence slash question that goes along with it. Yeah, know? it is. Nathan, I want you to stab me. Stab me in the face. <laughs> what a bunch of crap. And now, Monster Vision host Joe Bob Briggs and Friday the 13th, Part 6 on TNT. All right, Nathan, stab us. Stab me, and then stab Jonathan. Sex. <laughs> There's none. There is sex. There is sex. Oh, don't even talk to me. The RV scene. Shameful. Ugh, I know. Okay, this is... The dancing cowgirl. Fine. There was sex. You're so good at this. You're so good. That's what she keeps saying. It's more over and over. funny than anything because she's she's saying, "Hold on, just ten more minutes." And he's like, "Ooh, he looks like genuinely concerned." Like, just keep it up for the rest that. of the song. He is. He can't arch his back that violently for the next ten minutes. But I liked how when she said, "Just ten more minutes," just the the look on his face was genuine, yeah. gen- genuine fear of not being able to last that long he's like i'm gonna come right now in this scene <laughs> well you see how demanding she is afterwards so yeah i mean you, you don't want to piss her off Mm-mm. so what's stab again sex tits and body count yeah tits there are none but why are, why is there sex and tits just because they're two different things <laughs> what else yeah for example in this movie we have sex but no tits we could do yeah yeah, sex and no tits. Was there some about, balls? I saw like half. I saw some of his what balls. What about I feel triumph? Like. Yeah, you <laughs> bringing that back, are we? Mm-hmm. I have. I have no problem like discussing that at the end. Like that to me is like an end conversation. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Okay, sex one scene and it was you know weak. Tits there were none. None. Ex- and we were just mentioning, for, except for at the very end when Megan uh, runs on the pier and jumps into the water. To get Tommy, you can see some movement under the shirt. You can yeah, see there's some not, bouncing. She's not wearing a bra, so there's a little, little bit of a hint. You guys paid attention something. close all the way to the end. I, I, you know, around minute sixty, I was like, well, I guess there's no tits in here. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are hunters, up. yeah. And body count, I don't have a fucking clue. It's uh, it's up there. It's, it's several. There. Can we, we have say several. I'd, I'd say it's I'd say it's over over fifteen. The over under is fifteen, and I'd say it's over. <laughs> is it a handful? You you'd be correct. It is over. It's over fifteen. Okay, good. It's an uh, eighteen. Jonathan, Jonathan, why don't you stab me and shut him up? Stab me. <laughs> stab you with what? You already ran through it. I don't know what. Like once it's done, like that's it, right? There's nothing left to stab. <laughs> there's, there's, Sta- uh, stabbing's been done. There's eighteen body count. Body count's eighteen. Jonathan yeah. debates one of them. Which one do you debate? So there's one of the paintballers that Jason's chasing in the woods, mm-hmm. and we never see him die. But at the end, we have one of the dipshit deputy cops, whatever, pick up the, the guy's glasses that are bloody. But that doesn't mean anything. He could have, And like, point out his limbs. How do we know they're his? He killed three other paintballers wearing the... Four other paintballers wearing the exact same shit. He killed three of them with one swipe of his machete. Yeah, but... And then started to chase after that guy. Yeah, but, okay, like when he killed the caretaker, right? 
one of the guys who happened upon Jason killing the caretaker after he was already stabbed with a whiskey bottle, Jason was just slashing him with his machete just for fun, right? So maybe Jason just started hacking away at one of the bodies because he was bored. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm with him. I'm with him. We don't know for sure. No, no. I, I think you guys raise a good argument, but I think there's enough there for us to assume that that's Roy that's dead. No, you see his glasses, and then you see limbs that aren't necessarily his. That's it. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to secretly count this as 18. No. We're, <laughs> we're at 17. <laughs> okay. I get, I get that eight, 18. I get that, I get that Roy, that, uh, what's his name, Roy? Roy's implied, but by our own rule, if we don't see his dead body or don't see him die, that's it. It doesn't count. Can't argue with that. That's sound logic. Ugh. It's good logic. <laughs> it's not sound. We'll move and, on. And it's also 17. So a debatable 17 to 18. Nope. <laughs> Quit going back to that. <laughs> all right. So first of all, let's go to the walkthrough. I don't think Daniel stabbed us yet. Oh, I stabbed you guys. Did you? Oh, you did? Yeah, you want me to stab you harder? Stab me harder. Stab me deeper. I'm gonna stab, stab, stab your open mouth. Stab. Is stabbing the right way? Is stab the right way to go? Is it the right way to go? I don't know. I'm seeing. Eh. Should it just be. Um, sex. I'll say this: stab is a lot less individualistic. Mm-hmm. At least with with uh, with stack, you kind of go around. You know, maybe that's just what you have to do. All right. I take. One of us takes S. One of us takes T. One of us takes B. You know. Instead of. One of us is stabbing the other. Uh, we're all stabbing each other at the same time. <laughs> I know I set the Elvis down here somewhere. No, and there is nothing crankier than a Texan without any weapons in the house. All right, let's go to the board. Well, normally we would go to the board, but the board's still missing. We don't have a board, so I guess... And also... I got to talk about part four here, even though we lost part four. We didn't even show it. But in part four, Jason wore pretty much the same ensemble as he wore in part three. And he was played by a guy whose career goes all the way back to he was a stuntman in The Creature from the Black Lagoon, Ted White. Well, Ted refused to socialize with the cast because he thought the other actors would lose their fear of him on screen. So once during a break, he wandered away for a minute and he ran into a couple of stoned hippies. And they looked at him and stopped dead in their tracks. And he said he heard them falling over brush for 10 minutes, screaming and yelling. Anyway, in part five, Jason was actually Roy the paramedic, which explains why he's wearing coveralls and a hockey mask without that axe mark. And they don't say who played Jason in Tommy's Dreams in that movie, so I guess it was the same guy. Richard Wyand is the name of that actor. I'm sure I'll get bombarded now by all the geeks who run the Friday the 13th websites. I say that with the utmost affection and respect. I love you guys, but I'm sure you, I'm sure I screwed up there somewhere. Okay, time for part six. This is the movie that asked the question, why should we even try to kill him anymore? They've given it to the fans. Jason is back. They said, fuck all that Tommy storyline shit we were going to do. So let's get you right into the Tommy storyline. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's kind of forget that last scene of part five. Let's just pretend like it never happened. And go straight to Tommy and his buddy Hawes. Who's a mental patient. It's like, yeah, he's like, what, bro- he escaped from the insane asylum or something? broken his friend out to help him 
go look at Jason's body to to calm his nerves. That's what Tommy what you- thinks that he's going to calm his problem down by actually seeing Jason's dead body and cremating him. But even though we're taking this kind of ludicrous direction with the franchise in order to bring Jason back, there's a lot going on here that kind of I don't know, is reminiscent of the of the first movie, like they're they're taming a lot of the other elements that got out of control to focus on this one element that is going to be completely out of control is what I feel like. What other elements? Is a full moon outside? It's actually Friday the 13th. It's raining. It's foggy. The storm is coming in. He's going back to the original camp that has been renamed. Yep. Like there's... They're trying to bring it back to center, Jonathan. They're trying to bring it back to a point where it worked. Yep. That's what they're trying to do here. And I think what he's also suggesting is they got carried away with sex and tits. They wanted to bring it back and make the focus all about Jason. That's probably what the producers were saying the whole time. Okay, the fans want Jason. Give him Jason. But what about the tits? Jason! Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're all, it's about all about Jason. Tits? Boo! Wait a minute, wait a minute. He said what? He said no tits? Really? Well, no, I guess you guys are keeping your shirts on. <laughs> yeah. Aww. Yeah, no, I thought... I knew Jonathan was going to be upset that there was no tits, and I thought you would fall asleep, Nathan. <laughs> but to be fair judging like just looking at the women that were cast for this movie i'm kind of glad there weren't any tits in it <laughs> that's what you do hey right away you size them all up the minute you watch a friday the 13th movie and the girls show up well it's like oh mm, well, let's see you know, yes well yes. In, in, in watching a friday the 13th movie i know exactly what i'm getting right i know i know exactly what the storyline's going to be you, I just get to watch tits and see how people die and see how they take care of the Jason nuisance. Right? That's all it is. It's kind of... Can we... Can we let the cat out of the bag? Can we... Oh? Can we talk about the elephant in the room? What's the elephant in the room? That it's getting boring. What? The killing? The whole scenario. That it's the same storyline over and over and over and over again? Yes. See, this is what... No, okay. I brought this up with Jonathan earlier. I think this is a result of us doing two Jason movies in a row. Um, Well, no, because I was feeling the same thing with Freddy. So it would have been... I mean, I I mean to say yes. Like, like if you... Too much Freddy and too much Jason in general. No, because... It just makes you... With Freddy... It just makes you... It doesn't matter that we watch them back to back. It... It, it compounds it, sure, but it's it's just, you know, watching a whole franchise, they, they're trying to use a lot of the same things. I mean, there was years that passed in between these movies coming out, right? So, right. Our memories are too fresh to be handling these franchises uh, or these installments so close together. That I get. Are, these are not meant to be watched back to back to back to back to back like this. I don't think so, anyway. No. Well, and I think I with agree. the Freddy movies, there's a lot more creativity and you know it's it's a lot more interesting what they do with the crazy plot lines and how it spirals out of control and it gets just insane and then mm-hmm. i use the friday the 13th movies as like a palate cleanser mm-hmm. right you know it's like yeah, oh freddy was fucking nuts okay not uh, friday the 13th i know exactly what i'm getting yeah give my generic brute mute <laughs> that just kills people and just walks around brute mute i like that i would say that and i'm going to i'm going to probably shock you guys a little bit here 
I would say that I kind of felt this movie was entertaining. It is. It was. Just the, the way that they tried to add a little bit of fun and... Add some humor. Um, and they also casted well, I think. So say what you want to about all the characters in this movie. They all had decent presence and charisma and, and acting ability. No, Tommy was you, terrible. Yeah, Tommy was the worst one. Yeah, he was. But <laughs> but uh, I'm talking about the other guys, like the guy with the earring. He had good charisma. He was he, yeah. Court. he handled the screen time well. Court was great. Megan was memorable. Sissy yeah. was good. Sheriff yeah, Garris. Megan, Megan had the Megan sheriff had was great, pretty good. Megan had great presence, and I don't. She know, did. See, I I don't know why she only. I mentioned this uh, too. Her, this her her career died. Like she did. She, she had, stopped. She had good presence. She could have gone somewhere. She retired. She met some guy that owned a tea company, and she just retired from acting and went into tea, and that's all she does. Really? Is that a real story? She met. She found out about tea, and that's. Yeah, she married some tea mogul, and that's her thing now. She Mr. retired Lipton? pretty much right after this movie. Yeah, A tea mogul? That exists? I'm assuming so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what her uh, her biography said. Tea okay. mogul. But yeah, I said so too. I said she wasn't, there's something about her. She's not, maybe not the prettiest girl, but she's the cutest, most charming one. Like, she's got a presence to a, to a Voorhees girl that I haven't felt since maybe... Chris from part three. I don't know. All right. So Tommy and Haas, they're in the car. They're heading to Jason's grave. They make it to the cemetery. They find Jason's grave. His crew, his tombstone is already crumbling. Much nicer grave than his mom ever got. That's true. She's not, he's not up by the side of the road somewhere. Someone had to, you know, bother to put him in an actual cemetery. And is it the cemetery from the first movie? I don't know. Remember when Annie gets out of the car and she walks to camp and there's a cemetery behind her? I feel like it's the same one. It looks like the same gate and everything. Was it the Eternal Peace Cemetery? Yeah, I think so. I think there's enough there to make an assumption that it is. I think so. Because they're back in the same town. Let's let's assume that it is the same. Yes. (laughs) Let's do that. And, you know, Hawes wants to get the fuck out of there. He's got shovels over his shoulder, but he's still like, okay, there you go. You saw the grave. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Has no idea what they're doing there. Yeah. And Tommy's like, no, we're going to dig up his body, and then we're going to find his casket, and then I'm going to pry his casket open, and then I'm going to tear a rod off of the fence, and I'm going to stab it mercilessly into his corpse over and over again, which is what happens. Terrible idea. He goes Tommy on Jason's dead body with a metal rod, and, he, and that sets up... The only thing that has to happen to bring Jason back from the dead, <laughs> which is to create a lightning rod inside of his body and then have lightning strike that lightning rod. That's it. That's all it takes. Frankenstein style. Yeah, Frankenstein style. A lot of people say zombie style. I say nay. That's It's a Frankenstein style. What does that have to do with zombies? Exactly. It doesn't have anything to do. Just because he's undead. Oh, well, I guess that portion of it is, but uh, he's brought back to life by electricity. Yep. So that is definitely a Dr. Frankenstein's monster. But that's all it takes. Electricity is all it takes. His body has deteriorated. It has rotted. It has sunken in in parts. There are maggots and earthworms. They love putting earthworms on Jason's dead body. And despite this, after he gets electrocuted, his eyeballs, which I imagine would be the first thing to rot out of that skull, pop wide open. Jason's alive. And I don't know. What did you guys think of his return? Yay? Nay? Good? Had some impact? Cool scene? Not cool scene? I, I chuckled a little at, at how they did it. Once the lightning came down, I was like, oh. <laughs> uh, 
I mean, that wrought iron fence that Tommy pulled apart, obviously not very sturdy. You know, it's a good, uh, just came back from the dead weapon, though. First weapon. I guess. I mean, It's a hell of a lot better than the dream sequence in the last one where he just had a machete in his grave with him. Yeah, and it just turns out yeah, and that, just stabs that was, someone. Yeah. No, it all it all kind of there's there's several times in this movie where I would be like, no, you need oh, it's like the minute I thought something needed to happen because they were dragging it out too long. Uh, best example I got is when is when he's pulling on her leg when she's in the boat trying to pull. The motor. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> that was a bit obnoxious. You know? Yeah, she's pulling the motor. She's pulling the motor. And I'm like, nah, he would have pulled her down by now. Oh, and then she got pulled back down. And I was like, yes, okay, that, well, we're back. And then she came back up. I was like, okay, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, Jason didn't have a good grasp on her then? Yep. Yeah. Well, well, no, he's being pulled down by a rock. You know, there's, there's justification there. Yeah. Now, I... So, I mean, the big thing about this scene with the unearthing of the body was, you know, you're just waiting. I thought they were both going to get killed. I didn't realize Tommy continued on in this movie my my thought was okay come on jason let's go come on wake yep. up buddy Here's, let's kill these people yeah you're gonna get your revenge on tommy and then we're gonna move on with a new cast of victims yeah right exactly but no tommy and survives he just takes out the really annoying cohort and i don't know why he's he's so concerned later in the movie about involving anyone else because of you know what what was brought upon them by jason's rampage I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's involved totally a chill lot of with people. bringing this asshole along. <laughs> well, you saw how obnoxious he was. He's probably been thinking about getting that guy killed for months. <laughs> that or he's just like, Jason's already dead. It's not as dangerous, right? No. But that guy has a weak heart, which Jason punches right out of his body. <laughs> and I, yeah, we don't see that kind of uh, strength the rest of the movie. Actually, no, that's not true. We do see some supernatural strength later, but... He Not was already that. kind of supernaturally strong. Yeah. I mean, he was no. crushing heads but for tearing hearts out of chest. That's pretty. That's that. That's new. That's yeah. new level. That is new, and they kind of suggest that he's supernatural all along. You know, with it, the whole occultism book and the origin, and he has to return to where he was born in the lake. <laughs> he wasn't <laughs> where born he died. in the lake, right? Where he died, no, yeah. his his undead supernatural abilities were born in the lake suggesting that he was dead so he's been supernatural since the lake yeah why would why would the occultism book say that he has to go back to the lake which is where his origin was like a, a, that only works if he was supernatural from the time he came out of the water right <clears throat> but i like this i like when he gets out of his grave he's uh oh i should mention that they they started off with one guy one guy from the crew playing Jason. And then they thought that he was too bulky. So after the first few scenes were shot, they changed him out with someone a little bit thinner since Jason's supposed to be kind of rotted. They didn't want someone that was really thick, right? I love how in the Freddy franchise, you know, the character of Freddy is is essential and it it matters and the actor's a big deal and you know, Robert Englund has to be the guy. And in f- fucking J- Friday the 13th, it's like Hey, you. What's your name? Paul? Yeah, yeah, yeah no. No, no, no. Come here. You've no, got put a that down. to you. Yep. Put that down. No, okay. come over here. Put that down. Here, put this mask on. Go stand over there. But I'm just a stuntman. No, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Just walk around a little bit. Okay. No, slower. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna step on a twig, and I need you mm. to, like, look over your shoulder really fast mm. towards me. Good. Nailed it. Mm. Nailed it. <laughs> so, well, guys, what, what, what do you think? Think it'll work out? Think it works? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's because he we'll, doesn't... We'll just pay him, uh, we'll pay him like he's a special extra, you know? Give him a... 
Give him a little bit extra. Yeah, Jonathan and I actually talked this out, which is that he just he doesn't talk and he's hidden behind a mask, so he doesn't he doesn't run. He doesn't have anything memorable other than he swings a machete and kind of lumbers. So the stuntmen can like kind of pull this off with some a little bit of direction, but Freddy is just too much talking. Yeah, if Freddy is just way too central to to the whole series, you know, like the whole series revolves around Freddy being kind of like. Dickish, cartoony, cool and witty, yeah. funny, you know. Just a second, I gotta write this down for the next um, Freddy podcast. Daniel said, "Too much talking." Freddy talks too much. No, too much talking for a stuntman to pull it off. Okay. Yeah. No, I got it here. Freddy talks too much. Okay. For a stuntman to Continue. pull it off. Continue. Got it. Yes. Carry on. And yeah. anyone else love the uh, Jason Voorhees 007 intro? Mm. Oh absolutely fuck! I forgot it. about that. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> yes. Awful. Oh my god. I Awful, mean, and at the same time, it made me chuckle. Jason Voorhees is the new Sean Connery, mm. huh? Terrible, terrible, but yet also kind of good in a terrible way. In a really, it, really awful way. So after the credits, we have Tommy just bursting into the police office, right? We meet the sheriff who threatens to shoot Tommy right in the fucking face mm-hmm. as soon as he comes in before he even knows who Tommy is. Yeah, Sheriff Garris. His first reaction to anybody walking in the police station is to pull a gun on them. <laughs> He's ready to go. I mean, why else would anyone go into the police station unless they were looking to murder the sheriff? Yeah, Tommy plays this all wrong. If he had just gone in there and said, Hey, there's something weird going on at the cemetery. I think you guys should come take a look. My name is... Lommy Smith, <laughs> Lommy Darvis, then that would have been fine. But instead, he is flailing his arms around. He admits that he's Tommy Jarvis, so they know his history. He's screaming and not making any sense about Jason. And he also grabs the sheriff's shotgun. Yeah, bad move. Yeah. Screw the pooch. <laughs> More like uh, fucking stupid. <laughs> when did we ever assume Tommy was a smart guy? He wasn't, but he was, like, annoying and quiet before. Now he's annoying. Uh, Well, I mean, this worked, right? The whole plan was to get rid of the Jason hallucinations. Well, (laughs) folks, they're gone. That's true. I didn't think about that (laughs) until now. It does work. Why hallucinate when he's fucking there? They throw him behind bars, the little jail cell that they keep up at the police station there, one of those old-timey small-town things. Old-timey small-town cops know... No regard to the Constitution whatsoever. It's basically where the village idiot sleeps off the alcohol, right? That's what I assume those things are for. Such a stereotype. All these, all these, all these stupid sheriffs. They got nothing else to do. They're just trying to make the life cops. exciting. No, it's it's the way that they make they make assumptions about what they think is going on, and then they don't, you know, realize that they're wrong until some maniac is standing in front of them. You know, murdering them. Well, look, that's that's what we have at this point. We have a town with a coroner that fucks all the dead bodies and eats lunch off of them. Mm-hmm. And then we have a small town sheriff who just waits to shoot anyone who comes through the door. And you know what? If he doesn't shoot you, he's locking you up. Yeah. That's it. And when he tries to get rid of Tommy, he doesn't even drive him to Jersey. He just takes him, you know. Just out. Just out. Just outside of town. Out of jurisdiction. OOJ. <laughs> out of jurisdiction. As they say, 
As, as who says? As nobody fucking says. As they say. Right, but this is also where we learn that Crystal Lake has the name has been changed to Forest Green. Do we know what it's been renamed to at this point, or you just know that because you saw the sign later in the movie? Because that's how I found out. No, the sheriff says. Yeah, the sheriff says we changed it because we don't want our town associated with this yeah, fucking I, shit anymore. I heard them. I heard them say they changed the name. I didn't hear them say they changed the name to this. No, he's, uh, the sheriff tells Tommy we want you out of Forest Green. You know, something like that. Oh, Forest. Okay. Well, that's not saying. The camp has been changed to Camp Forest Green. That's saying we want you out of Forest Green and you putting that together because you saw the sign later, which is exactly my fucking point. No, the sheriff says that the town's name is Forest Green. Yeah, my notes say sheriff explains why the name has changed from Crystal Lake to Forest Green. (laughs) Yeah, I know, but you've also watched the movie several times and your notes could be manipulated by the fact that you'd already seen the movie before and seen the sign in previous viewings. No, I I watched it. Judge my notes. No, I watched it. You have to be careful about what notes Daniel has taken. No, I've I've watched it once and I took my own notes. And that's in the same thing. Crystal Lake is Forest Green. Let's be quiet for a second, Jonathan. I'm just making a comment here. (laughs) Directed towards the audience to the fans. You have to be careful when you hear things from the notes section okay just because anything could happen there okay like jonathan said that he has notes that says um camp crystal lake is forest green okay not camp crystal lake just crystal lake okay well crystal lake is forest green sure and here's what i'm assuming happened there okay so daniel and and john are watching the movie together and jonathan says oh they changed the name and looks over at Daniel while viewing, and Daniel says, yeah, to Forest Green. Boom. There it is. Right? Not at all what happened. Mm-hmm. I don't allow Jonathan to speak to me while we're watching the movie. <laughs> pretty, much, pretty much the only conversation that happens while we're watching the movie is I'll look over at Daniel. What the fuck just happened? Really? What the fuck is that? And I'll scribble in my notebook. And I go, oh, yeah, that happened. No, just wait. Just you wait. See, the only... The, the way that I have logically deduced what I must do now is the only way for me to combat these wild assumptions that <laughs> Daniel makes. Actually, is to pay attention to the movie. Make wild assumptions about his assumptions. Oh, oh my God. Huh? Some sort of wild derivative assumption that you're making. And I don't know why you're still on Daniel's side, Jonathan. You said, you said you were coming over to my side a while ago, and I have yet to feel you snuggling up against me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's kind of gross. But at the same time, I have not made any debating. Blah. Sorry. Yeah, so after all this prison drama involving Tommy and Sheriff Garris, uh, we are taken over to Lisbeth and Darren. Driving in yet another Volkswagen Bug. Seems to be a favorite for these franchises. We see them cheap. in both of the movies over and over again. And they they just stop in the middle of the road because yeah. Lisbeth sees a masked psychopath. Yeah, it's like Crocodile Dundee and the yak that's in the road or whatever. Yeah, I would that's have to say that people it. who drive or have driven Volkswagen Bugs, the old style, are, you know... Either losers or just outright homosexuals. <laughs> <laughs> you know that I had one. I, I love the inside jokes that happen. 
<laughs> That's my favorite. Yeah, for the part. audience, for those who don't know, Daniel uh, once drove a, a Volkswagen Bug, the old version. Mm-hmm. Anyway. But that let, was in no way meant to offend anyone except Daniel. It, it, <laughs> it, it seems to me in this entire franchise, to this point, the smartest person has been Lisbeth. Yeah, she even makes like a meta statement where she's like, oh no, I've seen enough horror movies to know that weirdos with masks are dangerous. Mm-hmm. Right. Parody statement. Parody statement. Yeah. It's and like they're in a parody of the She's movie. like, nah, fuck this. I'm putting this in reverse. Yeah. Good move. Yeah, smart move. And, Unfortunately, and I was like, I was like, who's that next? Oh, shit, that's Tony Goldwyn next to her. Yes. You know, Tony Goldwyn from Ghost. But when I saw him, I was like, oh, shit, he's in this movie. And then, you know, <laughs> oh, fuck, he's out. He's down. Goldwyn's down. Big time down. And he's, because he wants Lisbeth, there's there's mud behind them. So they, they drove forward over it down this road, but apparently they can't drive backward over it. And so he wants her to run her down in this Volkswagen bug that probably gets up to like 15 miles an hour by the time they gun it towards Jason. Jason just stands there. So she stops the car. And he chooses to get out with a gun and force Jason to get out of the road after he sees Jason stab this metal rod through the car and destroy the tire. Right, so is this the first time that Jason gets shot with a gun? I think it is. This bond between us can't be broken. I will be here, don't you cry. Okay. I have this on IMDb as uh, his first role. This is his first role? Yeah. Yet another star is born from one of these horror franchises. God. Man. Man. Using the Friday the 13th franchise as a springboard and just a mediocre If he had not... No, guys, this is a big deal. If he had not been in this movie, then they would have cast someone else in Ghost and it would have been just as successful. (laughs) Weird. (laughs) Maybe more so. This is weird. I I gotta gotta drink this in. Just a second. (laughs) But Darren's death is great. I love Darren's death. He takes a shot at Jason, useless, especially now that Jason is undead. He's super undead. He's undead twice now. He just impales him with the rod and just flings his entire body over his shoulder like it's nothing. Spectacular. Just ragdolls him out into the field Mm -hmm. like, next. Like he's shoveling hay. Like he's glad to be back. Yeah. No, I'd say I'd say grab like punching the heart out of Hawes was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm fucking back. Yep, that was the big one, yeah. And uh, Lisbeth falls out of the car. She gets stuck in like Forever. A, a puddle of mud. And she's she can't a, do she's an upside down turtle. Yes, exactly. And she's trying to offer Jason her money because <laughs> that's what Jason wants. Jason wants what? What was it? Twenty dollars and her American Express card. Yes, product placement. It looked like it. It was floating there, right on camera. Voluntary for a while. product placement. Yeah. Or are you guys talking about the American Express card? Yeah. Yeah, welcome to the and conversation. How, and how she didn't leave home without it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now it has her real name on it. <laughs> oh, shit. Did you guys just hear that? Because she doesn't leave home without it. Uh, Nathan looks down at his uh, list of jokes and checks one off. <laughs> but yeah, but he does this weird thing where he, like, tricks her. He doesn't have to do anything fancy. She's down. She's in the mud. She doesn't know what's happening. All he had to do was just stab her. But after she offers him the money, he, like, disappears. Wouldn't she see him leave? Yeah, but he disappears for a count. He's like, well, uh, did I, should I go back? Yeah, I'll go back and get her. Well, see, Jason already has his murdering ability back. He knows he's back, right? He's got the punch-through heart. He's got 
Darren getting flipped over like fuck all. Now he's like, oh, I'm going to have to learn how to disappear real quick. Mm-hmm. So let's try this shit out. You got Or or he's he proves later in the film that he's very easily distracted. So maybe he was like just about to kill her, and, and then like she's like, "Oh, where'd you go?" And he had he's stabbing a deer to death out of the field, and he's like, "Oh shit, right, right, right." And comes back and gets her. He does, and he impales her through the face down into the mud. You just see her body floating there with her head stuck under the water. It's kind of a there's a lot of momentary shots in this where I'm like, ah, it's just a pretty Jason shot. And I'll point them out along the way. This was one of them. I have many others along the way. If only they included all the gore that we're used to. Mm, yeah, not much gore. Again, we have cutaway shots, impaling without seeing the impalement. Either way, we've got Darren making up number two, Lisbeth number three. We're already number three. We're barely in this movie. Yeah, no, they start killing right away in these things. They get right down to business now. Yeah, there's not so much waiting around. And let's see, apparently... The sheriff station is the cool place to be in this fucking town. Yeah. Because we are introduced to Court, which is a guy, Paula, Sissy, and Megan. Yep. Megan being the sheriff's daughter and our main female protagonist. And Paula is Lisbeth's sister. And Lisbeth was killed the night before. No one's heard from her. And we're like, eh, haven't heard from him. You hear anything? No? All right. I'm sure they'll turn up. Mm-hmm. And Tommy starts bringing up this bullshit about Jason. And the sheriff doesn't want him to talk about it. He keeps trying to shut him up. But, dude, I don't... This part I don't really understand. All the kids, you know, Megan and Sissy and all them, they all kind of pretend like they're stunned to hear this information. But then they know almost everything and more about the, the Jason Voorhees history. Yeah, Megan later reveals she knows everything. Yeah, but they play dumb here for some reason. Either way, the point of it is that we're supposed to get that Megan and Tommy are flirting a little bit. Mm-hmm. She kind of has the hots for this bad prison boy. She keeps looking over her shoulder as they're all taken ready to, to, to leave the, the jail. And Oh, I think he's cute. I think he's cute. <laughs> and that's when... You know what, though? You know what, though? She sells it, even though it's terrible. Yeah, she sells it. Yeah, she keeps she looking it. back. She keeps smiling. She does yeah. she does a good job. She does it. She yeah, she does do a good job. And I would like to point out Uh-oh. that uh there's a problem with her when she gets back to the camp and does her little you know, ooh, Jason and does the whole history of it. There's like a problem with that. I forget what it is. So you guys are going to have to explain what she said to me again and then I'll tell you what's wrong. Yeah, and we cut over. We got caretaker Martin, our crazy Ralph for this our this trip through. Drunky who uh He's he's not he's not about to get fired because of some dug up grave. He's a high school grad, and by God, he's earned it. Mm-hmm. He's earned this job. And he's, I guess, maybe the anti Crazy Ralph because they were all about warning you of the doom and gloom and trying to get you to see all the evidence. But Martin is kind of more about just covering his tracks and not getting in trouble. That's a good point. He's like the anti prophet. He's like, nope, nope, no, Jason here. Nope, nope, we're all fine. He's in the ground. <laughs> Did I tell you I graduated from high school? <laughs> been a been a caretaker on these grounds forever. I earned this job. Yeah, and he fill he fills back the, he fills the grave back up so that he, no one so that he doesn't get in trouble for letting kids in under his watch and digging up this massive legend's grave. I love that it sounds like it happens all the time. Like, oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> Dug him up again. Damn kids. Oh, man. Just got to drink some more 
Oh, I love you, drink. Oh, he <laughs> sucks on that bottle. Like, sucks mm. on it. You mean more to me than life itself. All right, so now they're getting the camp ready, and they have to do it without their two main counselors, Lizbeth and Darren. And holy shit, kids show up. That's right, there are kids. The kids finally make it in this movie. We're always thinking about the kids arriving, but everyone gets killed off before the kids have a chance to get there. This time, the kids are actually here. That means... Yeah, but what is... She, she does her whole diatribe about Jason leading up to the kids. So, before the kids show up, you know... Right, you want to know that she's she's in the cabin. They're all waiting for the kids to arrive. They're in one of the cabins, yeah, kind of sorting the says. food out. She's talking to them about the Voorhees legend. And she says, what if he comes back to find the counselors that let him drown? Which is the okay part. And then what if he comes seeking vengeance on the one who decapitated his mother? Which is what I had the problem with because he's already done that. Yep. He's already seeked that vengeance and accomplished that vengeance. That bitch died in part two. Yeah, that's exactly the part that pissed me off, actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's no vengeance needed. He's... I w- yeah, because I remember sitting there thinking, uh, no, she was killed uh, She was killed in Jersey. Pretty early on. He killed her in Jersey at the very beginning of the second movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Alice is dead. She could in use a little... House. In her own house, that's right. She could use a little corpse lightning herself, if you know what I mean. Nope. <laughs> Not at all. You know, come on, guys. A little corpse lightning? Huh? <laughs> a little zap zap? We're not going to bring Alice back from the grave. It's the only way to defeat Jason for real. Ugh. <laughs> bring Alice back to have her decapitate him as well? <laughs> yes. Must we? Must we do this? And then right as she's about to bring the, the killing blow down on Jason, his undead mother grabs her arm from behind. Oh, my God. How many corpses are getting zapped? <laughs> Pretty soon all of Jason's Jesus victims Christ. start coming back no, to life. No, all of this needs to be done the way Nightmare on Elm Street did it. You just go into your dreams, have your mom rebirth you yep. every time. Oh, no. Oh, <clears throat> I see a Jason sequel where all of his victims come back from the dead, and they all go hunting after him. And he has to hole up and survive like a weird reverse Night of the Living Dead movie. I'm making this movie. Good. But now we take a whole sidestep away from the camp to focus on a corporate retreat. Now, right? they're... What year is this? In the movie, it's like in the mid-90s. Okay, when it was actually filmed. This is not a corporate retreat. This is a bunch of assholes going out into the woods with paintball guns and just playing paintball. No, this is actually a corporate retreat. They say that you know they're here with all the high-end execs. Yeah. I know, but what I'm and saying selling is life it's insurance. not a fucking corporate retreat. It's a bunch of assholes going out into the woods with paintball guns. A corporate retreat is where you go to a paintball place and you play paintball at a place that is designed for paintball. Do we know that where this is not a place? Where they suit you up and they give you the guns and they send you out into the into whatever section that's been roped and fenced off and is managed and overseen. Yes, exactly. You know, They're all with, suited with up. With forts and things on it designed to help <clears throat> your warfare. I've been on a paintball thing with with the company I work for. And that's not how a, what a corporate retreat is. Well, maybe that's in like, the mid-80s. That's like is. four guys. What is it? Four or five people out there, right? Mm-hmm. That we know of. Okay. And there are salesman it sounds like insurance except, except the the girl is an exec yeah so it's one exec two salesmen one that is a good salesman and one that's a shitty salesman 
and then a fucking creepy wacko that apparently also works for the company. Does this not seem strange to you, this company, and how this company is sending out its corporate retreat, that this corporate executive woman decided to go on a retreat with these, you know, one good salesman, one half-assed salesman, and a weirdo? That's not a corporate retreat. That's four people. And a little nerdy guy. And yeah. I already said the nerdy guy. No, oh, there, there's wait. another guy. Oh, the Bert, other guy. I forgot about the guy the with the machine. Fucking psycho. Yeah. It psycho. doesn't surprise me at all that they all okay. suck at selling insurance. Okay, but even then, Bert's kind of a psycho too. Does that not seem strange to you guys? Why would you call that a corporate retreat? There's something wrong with that. Right. Like there would it be may a not. Corporate woman and a bunch of weirdos and a really strange, like mentally unstable guy with the glasses and the. And the thing over... Yeah, with the severe the, Asperger's. The guy who doesn't with the, die. With the safety glasses over top of his glasses. Hey, that's a real problem. <laughs> I'm just saying. It seems a little bit fishy. Right. So all the people that we're talking about, the two guy, insurance guys, it's Larry and Stan. They get picked off with paintballs by Katie, the female corporate exec. They're shocked that she has managed to win against Bert, who is the crazy man off in the woods by himself with like a utility belt. And a machete. And a machete. In a paintball tournament or game retreat, machete got a machete and freaking out too. Like just saying a bunch of misogynistic shit about women. Yeah, what the fuck is blah, women shouldn't be any you know? I'm sucking my dick in the kitchen or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah, no. I'm, I'm glad that I couldn't come up with anything, <laughs> and that's the first thing. Like just oh, misogynistic line. All right, here we go. Yes. Dick and mouth. Yeah, does, something does dick and mouth. Kitchen. Dick and mouth. She's making me breakfast, and she's pregnant. Yeah. Yeah, he does make a kitchen comment. It's hilarious. Yeah, and then the nerdy guy, Roy. Is that a shot at Roy from part five? Like, let's make fun of that segment and put that installment deep, deep into our memory somewhere and forget about it. It's like Roy was the star of a really shitty movie, so let's make him a really shitty character. Right. I thought maybe that was a little jab at that. Because this movie is full of, like, references to other stuff. And what's great about how that whole corporate retreat plays out is that when he shows Bert, who's the crazy guy with the machete just hacking away at the bushes, he's just pissed off, hacking away, and when he swings his arm back, Jason's there, grabs his arm, rips his arm off, tears it <laughs> off his body to get his machete back. That's the way Jason gets his machete back, is he doesn't just tear it out of your hand, he tears your arm off your fucking body. <laughs> I like oh, that. Oh, so wait. No, the limbs belong to him. That's one so missing with, arm. So, so the guy with the glasses... Yeah, that's even further proof to Jonathan's point. Right. The arm could have been his. The leg? Who knows? Well, you can you can take it whatever way you want. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull a Daniel and use that as perfect proof that it totally and completely answers... All the questions. Oh, no, no, no. Roy's alive. No, we, we sink further into the gray area without <laughs> he, No, Roy's alive. He's blind as a bat running through the woods without his glasses. But we have, what, Bert's arm no. on the ground and maybe Bert's leg on the ground next to it? No. No, we don't know about Bert's leg. That would be wildly assuming. <laughs> but we don't... The female, Katie, the female exec she points she makes a point to say that it's surprising that roy hasn't tripped over himself and shot himself with his own paintball gun right that's the kind of guy roy is so if jason can't kill roy we have a major problem here roy is definitely dead out there somewhere probably dismembered himself somehow 
Jason is not the Jason that we're used to seeing. Because later in the movie, we see Jason giving up a kill to go after somebody else. Mm-hmm. And can't even kill them. That is true. So You're talking about when he when he doesn't kill the little girl? No, Megan. Oh, okay. Right. Either way, Jason's got his machete back. Bird is dead. He is number four. Fourth death. Jason is armed. And he just, what does he do? He climbs up in a tree? Yeah, that's what he does. Instead that's... of throwing bodies in trees, he's like, fuck it. It's good for the bodies. It's good for me. Let's yeah, but do you, it. you hang bodies in trees. You don't hang out in trees. No. Oh. He's getting a little more acrobatic. Undead Jason likes trees. Whatever. He's up in a tree. The three, um, Katie, Larry, and Stan are walking and talking and bitching and complaining about everything. Jason jumps down from the tree. Triple decapitation. One fell swoop. Triple decapitation. That, that was a nice touch. That's a jump. We didn't even go for two. Went for three. That's a hell of a I didn't, reach. Uh, I didn't think that he decapitated them he just swiped he just slashed no when the the camera takes a different angle and you see all three decapitated bodies fall to the ground yeah wow that's impressive and he was up in a tree yeah i thought he just walked up and slashed no he dropped down from a tree (laughs) yeah he like (laughs) dropped down they're all like oh and he's now sporing the utility belt so he's you know what though the utility belt from bert he's been reborn though because he's super, he's definitely supernatural now. Like the that line has been fully and totally crossed. There is no question. Yes. So. And so with with Bert's death, though, it wasn't necessarily the arm rip that killed him, right? It was Jason slammed him into like a branch coming out of a tree that impaled him. Yeah, and, or he just hits his face against a trunk really hard. Well, it, the camera zooms in on that that branch thing that's sharpened for some reason that Jason runs him into. So he's impaled with that. And then his face hits the tree where another branch has been carved off, but there's a smiley face there. Mm-hmm. So he runs Bert's just bloody face into the smiley face. And you see like all the blood come off of Bert's face. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice little comic touch, you know, and that's Bert. Jason picks up the machete in a belt and stares at the arm that's still attached to the machete. Mm-hmm. And just, just stays there for a little bit. I'd like to think he's like quietly chuckling to himself. Like, yeah, yeah. And then after he kills the other three, that makes up deaths five, six, and seven. Just three in one swoop. That's, that's great. That's just good stuff. Quick pacing here. And then, of course, Roy is in the background, watches all of his, three of his friends get decapitated. <laughs> shoots him with a paintball gun. Shoots Jason with a paintball. Jason's out. Roy wins. Yep. Jason even takes time to stop and look at it like, what? Did I? Oh, no. <laughs> and then chases after him in the woods and dismembers him. Nope. And leaves him for later to be found. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Quit trying to sneak that in. And so these stupid cops of this stupid little forest green town decide that the best way to escort Tommy out of town is to follow behind his truck and, of course, Tommy takes a turn towards the cemetery that he wanted them to go to all along. Mm-hmm. They're like, what the fuck? Why? How could he do this? But, but we're law enforcement. That's still my jurisdiction. I should go after him. Yep. And they do. They follow him. He gets out of his car. There's a whole chase scene in the cemetery. And Tommy gets tackled by the sheriff. 
They please, go over to Jason's grave. Please just look at his grave. They look over <laughs> at it. It's been filled in, of course, by the caretaker. So now Tommy just looks even more crazy. And the caretaker's like, what? What? Nothing happened. Yeah. Nothing happened. Just throws him under the bus. Totally How throws him. does he him. have the authority to do all this to Tommy? Tommy hasn't done shit. Yeah, Tommy has not been arrested. He hasn't been charged with anything. He grabbed a gun from the sheriff's office. Mm. Well, he spent the night in jail. I mean, that's enough, right? Mm-hmm. There's no you jury. Have have, you There's have to no have judge. charges to keep him in prison. Like You have to charge him or let him go. Yeah, like I said, cops in these little towns paid no attention to the Constitution whatsoever. They are breaking like, def- the rules. Defiling a grave. They don't know that. Is this also where we get to see Deputy Rick's gun? Oh, yeah, with the huge fucking scope on it. <laughs> yes. The huge scope that he mailed off for. Let's talk about Deputy Rick's gun. It's a, it's a six-shooter revolver. It has a laser scope on it that's three times the size of the gun. <laughs> and wherever the red dot goes, you bang. <laughs> you bang. That's a great line. This is a really great line. <laughs> you bang. You bang. You bang. Oh, God. Did you turn this to a Ricky Martin Yes, song? I did. Okay. It's always fun to look back at these movies from the 80s just to see how far technology's progressed. Because that laser scope on his revolver is the equivalent of like a laser pointer for a cat. Mm-hmm. It's huge. It's like, I need this for my handgun. It's like, that laser pointer's got to be like nuclear-powered on mm-hmm. that thing. And nowadays, it's just a little watch battery. Yep. That's fun. And as soon as they're all out of the graveyard, you know caretaker martin cannot get the bottle in his mouth fast enough (laughs) oh my god he sucks the thing the juice out of that treats it just like tommy does his pills in part five the second the alcohol touches his mouth he's like oh (laughs) (sighs) (sighs) he's got a stressful job man all these kids in the town keep digging up graves yeah when you have to protect a lunatic's grave damn kids again but i mean in a small town like that i guess kids get bored right so not really a whole lot else to do than just go to the cemetery and dig up fuckers that's not why they're doing it they did it with specific purpose they're digging up the grave for a specific purpose yeah the tommy and his friend did but who knows how many other teenagers have been out there just digging it up for fun are we making assumptions again taking dumps on the casket well well, the way (laughs) the way caretaker martin says it it's like it happens all the fucking time these crazy kids coming out caretaker martin is he's got his He's got his priorities in that bottle, so I don't really know what's true and what's not true with that guy. That's a good point. Megan is talking to the girls over at the camp, and Court is talking to the boys. And Court is telling this, like, really roundabout, confusing, complicated story to explain how marker stones work to these kids. All all I have in my notes is Court is a dipshit. He's a dipshit. <laughs> That's all I have. All he has to say is that you use these piles of stones as like breadcrumbs and you follow the trail. Instead, he talks about some Native American husband who like hates his wife and wants to leave his wife, but still wants his son to be able to get into contact with him. So he leaves marker stones for his son to follow as long as his son is smart enough and remembers to knock the piles down when he's done so that his bitch ex-wife can't come find him out in the woods with his new younger wife. I was like, what is this story? Just tell them they're fucking marker stones and move on. Court is a dipshit. Court. 
That's that's all I have. Short for Courtney? Cortland? <laughs> Courtrick? <laughs> Nate, you want to chime in on Court? I already did at the beginning. I think he's, you know, for how ridiculous he is, he's got good presence and he sells it in every scene. This is probably the weakest scene, but he still carries it. And the kids make their little comment and it's like he's pulling everything pulling the story about the rocks out of his ass and oh absolutely probably he is. isn't true and he has no clue what marker stones are do you know what marker stones are well thanks to court i do they're breadcrumbs i know that if you want to you use them if you want to cheat on your wife and if you want your son to track you down so you can teach him how to kill buffalo exactly i think he was pretty clear. i have i have a more um a more serious question um, why are all of these people that are supposed to be helping counsel at the camp, why are they not staying at the camp? Two of them stay at the camp. One of them goes and hangs out with her dad, the sheriff, and the other two go stay with a motor home that I have no, it's, it feels like it's a long way away from the camp, or they decided to park a really long way away from the camp. Well, I mean, one of them goes to stay at the motor home. The, the girl that he's having sex with, Nikki... Mm-hmm. She's not a counselor, no. And Court sne- sneaks over there late at night after everyone's kind of in bed, I guess. I guess. And it seems like even though they keep bringing up Darren and Lisbeth, they don't really care. No. <laughs> I mean, we're at mm-hmm. the end of day two, and no word from the people that are supposed to be the head counselors and. Really not. It's not Friday too the Thirteenth, man. All the actresses and actors are waiting to die. Yep, pretty much. They're not. They're not getting you know focused on their scene and feeling compassion for the missing counselors and concern. The genuine concern is not on their face because they're waiting for their death scene. Exactly. And speaking of death scenes, these next couple of death scenes seem like they were kind of shoved into the movie to expand the body count. Because we have Caretaker Martin drunkenly stumbling home along his trusty trail. Singing. Through the woods, singing. Singing to his bottle. Who else would you sing to? That's who he loves most. Yeah. And he passes by a couple that are having a picnic in the middle of the night in foggy, swampy woods. Did he pass by? I didn't get that. I just got the, like, the camera went to Martin singing and then it went to... Steven and Annette yeah, having a champagne toast in the in the woods. They're 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 close to each other. He doesn't he doesn't notice them, but he's walking it in their general proximity. And he looks at his bottle and he's talking to it and singing to it and he's like, You're gonna be the death of me. <laughs> and goes to throw it, doesn't hear the bottle crash, turns around, Jason caught, caught it. Caught the bottle. Just right behind him. Caught it, anticipated it, caught it, breaks it with his hands, shoves the jagged, the jagged, the jagged <laughs> piece into his neck. Basically, turns his neck into like a spigot for blood, which is kind of cool. It doesn't. They don't ever show it. They don't ever use it that way. But he shoves the like neck, the bottleneck part into his neck. So no, the jagged part. So yeah, the, the bottleneck the, yeah, part. The, exactly. Is out. That's what I mean. Yeah, the jagged part, and then the bottleneck is poking out of his neck, so it makes like a little faucet. <laughs> See, they should have shown that shit. They should have. Should have, he should have like fallen in a way that made him like leaning over so that it was just spilling out of the bottleneck. And um and Steven hears something. Right, which was 
he, he walks over and yeah. he sees he hears, Jason. He hears death number eight happening. Goes here's, to investigate. Here's de- death number eight. Goes to investigate. And Jason is just pulling an ollie on on Steven. He's whacking away. Oh, just having machete. a good time. Yep. Uh, caretaker Martin just got chimneyed. Or are we saying Jarvis now? He got Tommy Jarvis. <laughs> Any of those will do. Any of those? Egregiously eviscerated. Yeah. It just leads me to believe more and more that those are not Roy's body parts. Because Jason's just hacking away with this machete. Just loving the feel of it. Slicing people up. And... Yeah. Had the caretaker been dressed in camouflage, it could have been his body parts. Could have been. And... Another intelligent move. Steven's like, we're getting the fuck out of here. I'm explaining everything later. We're getting the fuck out of here. Hopping on the motorcycle. And Jason's quick. Yeah, he just kind of stumbles out and impales both of them with a machete as they're sitting on the motorcycle. And you're right. They are smart to go, though. He takes off as soon as he can. Annette doesn't even, like, stop and be like, what are you doing? You're ruining our... No, nothing. She nothing. just goes She's with okay. It. Yeah, they drop all their alcohol, everything, and go. Still doesn't matter. Both of them dead. Nine and ten. I agree with um, Jonathan here. When he just all of a sudden appeared and shoved a machete through both of their uh, bellies, I, I was a little shocked at how fast he arrived at the motorcycle. Mm-hmm. He does have the ability to sprint like terrifyingly fast whenever he's off camera. Yeah, I think like, we've we've all agreed that that's something that Jason does. Yeah, like when Rob the Jason Hunter hears Jason kill somebody from the other side of the lake, and Jason just fucking Usain bolts over to him and is right there digging through Rob's tent. Yep, or in part five, he Usain bolts past Reggie and Pam and gets to the ambulance before them. Yep. He's fucking... Well, that was Roy. Yeah, Roy's I was also say, Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, part five. That Who did that? Roy, after studying at length Jason's MO... Obviously. He mm. was copycatting. And was able to pick up Jason's speed. Exactly. Yeah, sure. He's a good student. Hmm. Cool little thing. Sissy comes up with a new card game. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah. (sighs) Take it away, Nate. I don't don't remember all of the the details. Oh, wait. Okay. No, wait. She was the queen of hearts, and she gave the queen of diamonds to the other girl. And Jason is what? You take all the other... Well, Jack. Of? Spades. Yep. And I totally fucking guessed. It was a good guess. <laughs> it's a good guess, yeah. <laughs> All the other face guards are the counselors, and you separate them into their cabins, and you have to find out which one Jason is in. And I really think that they they had no other backstory to that. That was the... There was no game. I know. <laughs> I know. Like, a couple more rules, and this could be a what's great the, game. <laughs> what's the game? How does it work? You just how does, point how does piles. it kill people? It's like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> That's cute, but there's no, like, there's no way you could turn that into a game. <laughs> I'm going to no turn way. into a game. Now, here's one of the references that I think there's a little girl in the cabin when the when the camera first shows the 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 two children's cabins and all the kids falling a, a, asleep in their beds. It passes over one chubby little girl in particular who was reading "No Exit" by Jean-Paul Sartre. <laughs> I think I got that right. Close enough. So deep existential philosophy for this little girl. And 
she screams in the middle of the night, which brings them away from their cute little Camp Blood card game. And this little girl's name is Nancy. And she's having nightmares about a bad man that seems to be everywhere in her dreams and she can't get away from him. Foreshadowing. Little, little Nightmare on Elm Street tie-in. Little girl named Nancy having bad dreams about a nightmare figure. I knew you were going to do that. What does this movie have to do with Nightmare on Elm Street? Little girl Just because named Nightmare on Elm Street called a Jason... Well, Nightmare on Elm Street called a dog Jason. And we're like, oh, we're watching both cans. <laughs> oh, her name's Nancy. But they do oh, that. They like to give little, you know, eh, look what I did. I included one of your things in my movie. Here, give me your dick, and I'll put it in my mouth. Oh, sure, here, take mine. Like why, that. Nate, Nate, why do you always go back to fellatio? <laughs> God. Yeah. Can we stop <clears throat> talking about sucking dicks for a second? Just a second. Nate. Just... One, one thousand. Okay. <laughs> dicks in my mouth. <laughs> dicks sucking. <laughs> Stab sucking me dick. with your dick. <laughs> All right, so we've established Nancy is scared of <laughs> monsters. And we now see an RV. That's right. Cord has slipped off to meet his booty call, I guess. Somebody. Girl named Nikki. RV is a knockin'. It's a rockin'. Rockin'. There yes, you go. It's rockin'. <laughs> yep. Like it's really obnoxiously rocking. Yep. And they're obnoxiously fucking. To yes. Alice Cooper. No, that's later. Damn it. I ruined that. Mm, they're, no, they're jamming to some generic 10 minute long song well he likes to rock yeah he does so and that motorhome likes to rock and that motorhome is plugged in why why it's motorhomes get plugged in yeah it's stealing power off of one of those weird campground electrical posts or whatever is that something rvs do usually they have them on campgrounds so you can like plug in some you know, whatever minor electronics you have, or maybe your car battery, or if you're using it for your for the lights, the headlights and stuff. But and some uh, let's let's educate uh, Jonathan a little bit further. I'm not a camper, camping. so um, basically, when you're dealing with RVs, uh, Jonathan, first of all, there are some campgrounds that have RV capabilities and some that do not. And those that do have RV capabilities will have signs that indicate how much RV capability or compatibility they have. Some places have electricity only. Some people have water, sewer, and electricity. All hookups that you can just connect into. So so you go into your campsite and you not only hook up electricity, but you hook up you know, water and a whole bunch You're of explaining stuff. this in way more detail than I give a shit about. <laughs> I'm just trying to explain. I'm trying to open your eyes about, uh, about things. That's all. About the joys of stuff. camping. Nah, yeah. I don't care. RV camping in particular. But yeah, Jason comes, pulls this wire out. The whole car goes dark, so of course Nikki berates Court into going out and checking what the hell's going on. But you notice, like, as soon as Nikki gets off of Court, he just immediately comes. Yeah, he just immediately. immediately finishes. He knows. He's like, I'm pretty sure I'm about to die, so this well, might be my last out. chance to come. Yeah. And let's see. Per my notes, Nikki whines and is demanding. Uh, that's 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 pretty much it. That's all she does. She whines and mans that he goes outside and check it out. And then when he finally does, she pops out behind him and scares the shit out of him. And that's sexist, you know. It is. That's that's coming from a guy who's you know in a heavy relationship, right? 
Yeah, she's very it's, big. When, when he when he sees women talking in a movie, he just whines and is annoying. Like that's. Are Are you talking about me right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm always trying to poke the bear. You know, don't really get a lot of satisfaction today, but that's yeah. okay. What well, is this? Just when women open their mouth, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> this is terrible. My girlfriend, never, my girlfriend can never listen to this episode. I know. I, I can't wait. I can't wait until my fiance hears this. I still won't hey. let her listen to the one before where I just go on about Tina forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she's like, I don't like that. Yeah. We have another example here of a character making a smart decision, which is when he sees that the wire has not just fallen out of the socket, but has been torn out. He's like, we have to get the fuck out of here right now. Yep. Yeah, you sympathize with these characters in this movie more because they are making, you know, realistic decisions. I agree. I like this. Yeah. And unfortunately, because Nikki was dumb enough to come out and check on whatever Court was doing, Jason has had time to slip into the RV unnoticed. Of course you knew he was in there. Of course. Yep. They were pulling your chain and she was, she was, you know, swishing around in the RV as he took off and... Yep. Obnoxiously drove the vehicle, and the whole time you're just waiting. Yep. Again, he's in the bathroom. Again, again, in my notes, Court drives like an asshole. Yeah. And Alice Cooper's Teenage Frankenstein. And loves driving that RV. Loves Loves it. it. Thinks it's great. This is great. This is so great. This is great. (laughs) (laughs) Says it 35 times how great it is. She's bouncing around on the bed. You're just waiting for Jason's arms to come out and grab her on one of those falls that she's taking. Finally, he pops out of the bathroom and gets her. And as they're struggling in there, the way that he kills her, slamming her face so hard into the bathroom mirror that it pushes out the metal siding of the RV in the shape of her screaming face. Supernatural. Kind of cool. Supernatural powers. Yeah, that's a Freddy Krueger type thing. It is kind of a Freddy Krueger type thing. Yeah, it reminded me of the wall in, in Nightmare on Elm Street 1. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. And so, so you're taking a shit in there? You want me to come watch? Yeah. This is so weird, Nathan. Did you catch this part? He... Um, that he offers to watch her take a dump? He Not only does he offer to watch her take a dump, but when she doesn't answer right away, he goes, or vice versa? <laughs> like, maybe if you're not interested in letting me watch you take a dump, maybe you'd like to watch me take a dump. Well, whatever he said, he sold it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was great. He was great on camera. I would have watched him poop, yeah. Yeah. Well, nope. What can nope. you do, really? Yeah. Well, watching someone poop, honestly, is kind of innocuous. You're just watching someone with their pants down sit and take in the smells and sounds. <laughs> it's not like yeah, you would spread your legs so I get a good look at that thing coming out of there. <laughs> I think you'd need like a glass toilet, you know, or like a clear plexiglass toilet or something. Oh, yeah. Like a, you need a nice glass ceiling that you can stand under. And just watch someone just jump all over it. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure I enjoy where this conversation is sitting going. A, sitting against the glass, so there's no space for the shit to come out, so it just kind of smears into a big cake. You know what, though? I think this is speaking to everyone out there. This is, you know, something that everyone avoids talking about, but is true about everyone. You're interested. You're interested. After you take a, a, a bowel movement... You're interested in what came out. You would like to know. Not just because of the experience that you went through, you know, excreting it, 
but also just I don't like the way you said that. Out of <laughs> out of sheer curiosity and also maybe to monitor your own health, right? You're just kind of like everybody takes a peek. You look at it. You have to. Nobody takes a dump and doesn't look. Mm-hmm. They no, look at what no blood. Done. Uh, another day. <laughs> they <laughs> they look at what they've done, and in some cases are proud of it. Yeah. I know a guy uh, that I used to work with that prided himself on trying to uh, take pictures of, of, of poo in the toilet that looked like a letter in the alphabet, and he would save them to try and create. That's disturbing. That's disturbing. I shouldn't have said that. Is this guy real? Wait, you, work, <laughs> you, you work with this guy? <laughs> yeah. Wait, yeah, he wait, said wait. One, Do one you time have I got pictures of your poop shaped in letters? <laughs> one time I got a Nothing Q. But it was J. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. No, easy to get a J. J is an easy an easy play, but a Q. A Q is difficult. You got to shake your hips a little. You got to hover <laughs> and shake your hips a little. <laughs> Pinch it just the right time. <laughs> anyway, I guess what I'm saying is I sympathize with Court here. That Pooh is interesting, and I think that he's speaking to everyone you know in the audience in some way. I, I see. Where, I see where you guys are going, and and you know the the whole Saran Wrap thing and. Feeling the warm plop and bounce off your face. <laughs> it's kind of satisfying. I'm sorry, yeah. the warm what? Plop. Plop? Plop. Yep. The warm okay. plop and then bounce. Okay. Yep. Off and then slow, bounce and roll. And slow drag. Slow yep. drag. Plop. The roll. I, I think that plop is for as a forgotten word that needs to be pulled back out of that. You're welcome for that. Went. Yeah. I like the way plop sounds better than excrete. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Poop. Poop too. Plop is better than poop. Plop is great. Plop it's been is a long good. time since I heard the word plop. I'm going to start using it. To, mm-hmm. I'm going to bring it back. Good. Why don't you just beat it to death? Defecate? No. Too clinical? No, because... Defecate feels like you've done something to them. When you've got the saran wrap over your wrong. face and you're staring up at someone's engorged anus with with the... Yeah, you were like, defecate. <laughs> defecate sounds like something you could take legal action against. <laughs> Oh, yikes. Okay. So, <laughs> Court does not shit himself to death. He, too consumed by how great driving an RV is, doesn't notice Jason walk up behind him and stab him in the ear? With a Rambo knife. Yeah. Mm. Pulls it out it of his craft detail. It was, very, it was very decisive, and we got to see, see it a little bit more. Yeah. And this is another cool scene because, of course, right after he stabs him, there's no one left to drive the RV, so it hits the median and flips over on its side. And the second that it stops skidding across the street, Jason just explodes the door open off the side, gets out and steps on top of it amidst like billowing smoke and a full moon and the RV is on fire and he's just standing there in his stance with his mask on. Awesome shot. Cool scene. It makes Jason look really cool for a second instead of making him seem kind of inefficient or retarded. I feel like this director, <laughs> by having more fun with the lighthearted Jason, made almost a better Jason movie. It's very strange. Yeah, that's a good point because he's not taking Jason as seriously as the other directors did. Mm -hmm. And it makes Jason better for it. Yeah. And now, you know how when you buy condoms or let's say back in the day before you guys (laughs) had steady girls in in relationships and you had to buy condoms? Nope. Right. (laughs) That's why we don't share drinks. And... uh, You'd have to like buy something else with the condoms just so that it didn't look like you were just buying condoms. I feel like that's what Tommy did when he bought these three books, right? He wanted the manual of occultism, 
but he had to buy the other two like newer contemporary books just to like mask that he really wanted that occultism book. What were the other two books though? Like there was one about like raising bodies from the dead or some shit. Like yeah, thirty years among the dead, the dead are alive, and then the manual of occultism. Yeah, no, like all these books fit together. It's like he bought condoms, lube, and cigarettes. <laughs> the su- yeah, okay, okay, fair enough. They're, they're the same subject matter, but he didn't give a shit about the other two. Didn't even crack them open. No, straight to the occultism manual. This felt like a, a Freddy territory again, right? When um, what's his face pulls the book of Christian mythology. Yeah, that looks like the Bible. Yeah, this is kind of like that same sort of thing. Like, okay, we got to go uncover his earthly remains, and they're bound somewhere, and we got to plop them back in their origin, whatever, right? I mean, it really does seem like these movies are kind of feeding off of each other a little bit. I think it's like now that their franchises are are, are concurrent, I feel like they're, they're getting they're getting ideas from each other. Yeah, they can't help but steal off of one another at this point i think and oh tommy calls into the police station it's just megan there kind of manning the phone and she's very irresponsible here right like she doesn't know if tommy's a murderer or not she assumes he isn't yeah but her dad the sheriff is convinced that tommy is a murderer right right is trying and is murdering all these people to convince people that jason is real and you know, if your dad, who is the sheriff, like the judge, jury, and executioner in this town, says, stay the fuck away from this kid, because I think he's killing people, why are you offering to help? Exactly. Even if you didn't think it was true, you'd at least be a little bit suspicious for your own safety, right? One of two reasons. Because he's cute. Because she likes the bad boys. Yeah, she does. Oh, yeah, you saw her. The minute, she, the minute he was behind those bars, she was like, who are you? Mm-hmm. You're I cute. want your thang inside of my sweet Virginia. That's what it was all about. Mm. Don't like. Don't Did like you Virginia. call her vagina a train song? Um, one of two. All right, now shut the fuck up. One of two. One, she likes the bad boys. Two, her father has a habit of making wild accusations, and she's very disinterested in a lot of the things that her father says because often he's not right. Whoa, but that would be making a wild assumption. So I think we should go with the bad boy one, because the second one is more of a Daniel angle. And Sissy's already kind of called her out on liking bad boys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she did. Yep, yeah, nope, that's, that backs up proof. I say we go with number one. You say proof? I heard proof. Plop. <laughs> Was there a debate? I don't think Four. we're going with anything. Uh, I created one in my mind. <laughs> and then you became and out the victor. <laughs> you ended up being the villain, and yeah. you ended up losing all in the same sentence. I so. If you had given me two seconds, I would have guessed that. <laughs> um. <sighs> yeah, the whole point of that was that she just tells Tommy, hey, my dad's looking for you. I'll help you get away. I'll t- put my vulnerable self in your complete care and help you defy my father, the sheriff. Wouldn't it at least be like, hey, my dad's looking for you. Uh, that's all you're going to get from me. I uh, hope it works out. <laughs> I've already said too much. Yeah. Not like full on, hey, I sleep alone at night. Uh, I don't have never been in a fight before. <laughs> you know, like just <laughs> random shit that she just makes herself vulnerable to. And now Jason has arrived back to Camp Crystal Lake. It's Camp Forest Green now. Can Jason read? No. Does he stop for a second and look at the camp? Like Burr. the colors confused him? Burr. Or did he go, well, it's not, or did he read it? Because it looks, looks like he stops and reads it, but maybe not. 
Jason is getting more and more intelligent because the first thing he does when he enters the camp is he cuts the phone lines. Yeah. Normally he waits for that. Yep. And has to like sloppily tear them out as he's already chasing some other victim somewhere. Mm-hmm. No, this time right he's, in. He's doing it all over the place. He's pulling electrical cords out on the motor home. Yep. He's he's pulling wires left, right, and center. This he's going right for it right away too. That's true. He's yeah. He's learning. He knows. Mm. He's supernatural now, so he's got. Maybe we can upgrade his intelligence because he's no longer a mongoloid. He's now a supernatural mongoloid. Mm-hmm. And it's nice. He's lumbering into camp. It's quiet. He's the only kind of menacing thing out there in the dark. And they have little like motivational words that are all posted up on a big sign, like leadership. Yeah, exactly. Friendliness, trust. I thought that was nice having him walk alongside those. I don't even have cards for drive-in totals. Let's do the drive-in totals. We'll do them orally. Where are they? Right here? There's nothing there. I didn't think so. We have 14 dead bodies. Here? 14 dead bodies. How did you stay here all night? Including one girl who tries to buy off Jason with an American Express card. One dead, undead body. No breasts. 14 gallons of blood. It's kind of low for the series. Face-eating worms, corpse staking, teen shish-kebobbing, two motor vehicle chases, one with crash and burn, Bimbo's face shoved through a cheap prefab wall, knife through the head, paint the room red, Bimbo jerking, head ripping, police officer head compacting, dart through the forehead, sheriff crushing, head rolls, stomach rolls, arm rolls, leg rolls, Gratuitous Boy Scout lesson, gratuitous June bug squishing, lightning foo, whiskey bottle foo, Evan Rude foo, three stars, check it out. Yeah, actually this is the famous scene where we're all in dispute about where the sheriff is out with the deputy and they're take and they're taking a look at these bodies. Nope, not in dispute. <laughs> taking a look at these body parts that most likely belong quit, quit to Quit doing this. <laughs> quit doing this. All we see are Roy's glasses. Uh Either way, the, the sheriff's putting out a bolo on Jason. I will, I will agree that they're implying that the bloody glasses mean that he's dead. That's what they're trying to insinuate. Roy trips over everything. They're surprised he hasn't shot himself at this point. Yeah, Remember that? Roy's a clumsy fuck. He tripped over something. His glasses broke. The blood on the glasses are not his. They're Jason from, caught up with him as he was tripping over himself. They're and from the limbs. Dance. They're from Bert's limbs. No. You know what, though? They wouldn't have put the glasses next to the body parts, though, if they weren't trying to insinuate it. We don't see Roy's body. Just parts of it. I'm going to have to change it. I'm going to have to change my opinion. <clears throat> I'm going to go with Daniel on this. I think What? Are you kidding does. me? You've been on my side for two plus hours. I'm really weirded out right now. I don't like where this is going. No, they, they wouldn't have the bloody glasses next to the body parts if they didn't want you to think that he was dead. They want you to think he was dead, meaning he was dead. They just cut out the body scene, wherever that was. Mm-hmm. But, but in a movie where it was so tame, they actually had to add more murder scenes to go back to the MPAA. They don't include Roy's because he's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> you see? You're pulling down to that deep Daniel place now where there's like this special reserve of bullshit that can't quite be disputed. <laughs> it's good. I like what I'm seeing over here. And then Nathan's siding with me. A little weird about that. I feel like, do you, do you want to watch me shit? <laughs> Again? <laughs> uh, plop? <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's legitimately Friday the 13th. Uh, 
Megan kind of gave us a clue of that earlier in the cabin, but here where they're looking at these miscellaneous body parts, Deputy Rick actually says, happy Friday the 13th to the sheriff. It's actually Friday the 13th. Killings are going on on Friday the 13th. We're back at Crystal Lake. Uh, Well, killings happen Thursday the 12th. This movie's bringing it back. Yeah, there are some killings that take place on Thursday the 12th. You're right. You know, I feel like we, they've brought it back now. It got skewed off so far. We didn't. Jason wasn't even involved anymore. It got skewed off so far. Didn't even know what day it was. And now we're bringing it all back. Yeah, this is a weird little scene. Where we're back at the camp now. Sissy and Paula are hanging out in the cabin. Paula's like falling asleep. Sissy is worried, wondering where the other people that have disappeared are. Are, are what, what the fuck they're doing? If Finally. they're alive, right? Someone actually cares for once. She thinks she hears noises outside of the window. Paula convinces her it's Court just playing a trick on her, so she pours her soda out of the window like to drip it on him? I guess. I like, mean, how funny I poured my drink on you. Yeah, terrible. Either way, not Court. It's Jason. And he pulls her out of the window so hard that he pulls her out of her slippers. <laughs> yeah. And Paula doesn't notice shit. No. She's not totally asleep. Like, no. she's just, just kind of there with her eyes closed, like, kind of talking, kind of tired. Doesn't hear her get pulled out of the window. Doesn't hear her get pushed to the ground and have her head twisted completely off of her body. Making death number 13. Ooh, Sissy's 13. Cool little scene. Uh, we have Nancy seeing Jason walk by. Mm-hmm. And that was the added part. In the original, it was just her getting pulled out of the window, and then you assume she gets killed. But they went back and added him twisting her head off. It was a good ad. Yeah. I mean, this needed some gore. Yep. I agree. Yeah. Uh, the scary man's real. Monsters are real. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because Tom Megan is going to pick up Tommy so they can go buy some supplies for Tommy's great plan that he has or whatever. And during that short little cutaway, we also have Nancy terrified in her bed watching Jason stalk next to the cabin with Sissy's body over his shoulder. Uh-huh. Brutal. There's a lot of these seeing Jason through the window shots that are coming up in this next 20 minutes that are just oddly well done and oddly why didn't anybody else think to do this before in a Jason movie. And kind of irritated me at the same time because I'm thinking, why does nobody see this guy? So just that little short little cutaway, they were back over to Megan racing around in her car. She says, Tommy, look out for roadblocks. And he's like, you mean that one that we're about to crash into right now? That we're on a straight road and you've seen for the last quarter mile with the sirens on? Yes. This is one of those weird things where like people in movies don't say goodbye on the telephone. Right. You know, they just kind of stop talking and just hang up. This is like one of those things. I remember this happened in part three of Friday the 13th. So they're driving in the van and the passenger or the driver says, hey... You know, uh, watch out for people with me or something. And the passenger goes, oh, there's a crazy guy in the middle of the road. And he's like, right there. Like, they're just, the drivers don't ever see themselves what it is they're warning their passenger to look out for. Even when it's right in front of their face. So, yeah. What does she do? (laughs) It's cunnilingus time. Mm -hmm. Megan's looking for a little roadhead. It's a little roadhead. I like this. This is usually, the the genders are usually reversed in a scene like this. Yep. Normally, all the girls are just talking nothing about boys, right? And role reversal. Yeah, usually it's the guy driving the car, and he's like, whoa, babe, put your head in my lap. There's a whole blowjob joke that goes on. Yep. She's just a stronger personality. Exactly. Oh, by far. Because Tommy's a nothing personality. And she's packing some puss in those jeans. Yeah. 
There's a lot of bulge okay. in those jeans. All right, okay. <laughs> okay, here. Favorite uh, favorite blowjob scene from a movie that's like that? Not an actual blowjob, but, you know, favorite scene where they go down in the lap? Yeah. Uh, True Lies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When he gets all the resources <laughs> to follow after his wife. Because of how pissed he's, he is. He's just like, looks. gets the helicopter. Oh, yeah, she's got her head in the guy's lap, all right. Wahoo. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. While they're driving in this car with Tommy's head in her lap, they make a couple of references. They're on Cunningham Road. Who created Friday the Thirteenth? Sean Cunningham. Is it a reference? Is it a reference to Cunnilingus? Is it a reference to Sean Cunningham? Is it just a road? Uh, probably Sean Cunningham. Right. <clears throat> and when his head is bopping around in her lap a bunch of times, she's like, "Oh yeah, that's what I want." Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. It, Talking about pussy? How is this a reference to Sean Cunningham? They're on Cunningham Road. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it's totally. Yeah, that's. We've already talked about it. Yeah, and as they turn away from the roadblock, Tommy like goes to lift his head up, and she's like, "No, no, no, keep it down there." Yep. And then she goes, "This is going to be a hairy turn." Mm -hmm. Mm. I, I loved all that. There was there was great interplay there. All this chasing around, it doesn't matter because she eventually gets blocked off the road by her own father who points a shotgun at his daughter's face. Not eventually. Like, immediately after she takes that hairy turn. Oh, yeah. Right, right there. And then they do a little uh, cut back and forth between two scenes here. One is of Tommy and Megan at the police station dealing with Deputy Rick, who's been left in charge to watch them. Tommy's in jail. And then there's also little Nancy, who we think it's Jason walking through between cabins with this bloody machete in his hand the corn syrup soaked machete yes you can tell it's like caked with corn syrup gelatin or something yep yeah like strawberry jam and then it looks like jason is in paula's cabin about to stab her but it's actually nancy and she just found this big ass bloody machete (laughs) outside you know and the best way to ask that is to sneak up on your counselor while they're sleeping and raise it over your head yeah and of, of course what does paula think Oh, obviously they're playing a joke on us. Yeah. Everyone's missing. They're just all playing a joke. The little girl found a machete dripping with strawberry jam blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, playing a joke, right? That's yep. where you go with it. And then she takes the little girl to go out in, into like the woods and investigate why everyone's missing, and they just leave the machete there. Seems mm-hmm. like a good weapon to bring with you. It's just a game. It's just a game. They're all hiding. Let's go. Let's go find them, and let's go scare them. Seems like if you're going to go out and scare them, you probably should have the machete with you. Yeah. <laughs> you should. But Paula gets a great... Uh, how do you explain it? It's not that there's so much gore involved in Paula's death. Either way, Paula puts Nancy back to bed after they can't find whoever they're looking for. Uh, there's a really nice, creepy, like one of the rare creepy moments in a Jason movie where she's putting Nancy to bed right below the window and Jason is just standing there staring at them. Mm-hmm. While they're, she's getting tucked in, and then follows Paula along the outside of the cabin, window to window, as Paula's walking out. All that was really creepy, and actually like developed a moment of ugh, feeling that you don't usually a Jason movie is. Ah, saw it coming. Yeah, ah, saw it coming. Another one of those moments where, why doesn't anybody see him? E- either way, he follows her back to her cabin. She has a little moment with the door where she's freaking herself out. And then Jason just lets himself in and shuts the door. And they do a long shot of the cabin. You know that some fucked up shit is going on in there. 
Then you see her body just like break through the window and slump over the sill. <laughs> and Jason's like, oh, nope, not done with you yet. And pulls her back in for some more slashing and pretty much just covers her entire cabin in the fluid that's left behind at a Guar concert. Just oh, God. <laughs> this is actually kind of an interesting death because there's been deaths where it's totally off camera with a scream or with a noise. And there have been deaths where he's you know, fucking you, killing me. Yeah, oh my god! Yeah. But, but this is kind of amusing because it's yeah, a whole bunch of rustling and then a blood splatter across the window and and like her slumping like, out, slumping over the side. And I'm not done with you yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was kind of it was kind of amusing yeah that's that's what made the death for me was you know not the blood on the window not her getting knocked out of the window because jason throws people through windows all the time but as soon as he pulls her back in yeah it's like oh yeah that's oh, a darker that's than a usual good one that's a good one <laughs> <laughs> and she makes 14 and 14 let's see tommy oh. and yeah this, this is a this is a showcase for deputy rick's terrible acting Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, them that part. Them Tommy and Megan pulling the trick to get Rick into the jail cell so that they can go off and handle Jason. Oh, just really weird all around. Like he's missing cues for lines. He's like doesn't know how to control the volume of his voice. <laughs> he calls you a babe. And like just awkward, awkward. Either way, he starts messing around with Tommy. That gives Megan a chance to pull Deputy Rick's gun on him like this way people are way too carefree about just pulling guns on cops in these movies especially when they have big red lasers and they scoot rick into the jail boom they're off to go do their own thing well the only thing that i that i appreciated this scene for was it allowed tommy to throw rick's line back in his face mm-hmm. which you're gonna have to remind me what it was something stupid like when where the red light points, you bang, or something like yes. that. Yes, yeah, wherever the red dot is, wherever the red dot goes, you bang, or something. Yeah, red dot. Red dot, you bang. That's you, all I remember. You bang is the important one, yeah. Tommy gives him a nice you bang, right, like behind his ear. Mm-hmm. Like, you son of a bitch, you bang. And then, what, they start going into the whole Nightmare on Elm Street aspect of this movie, which is, well, the only way to kill him is you have to, you have to, what kill him where he was born or some shit and they, they go in, into that and Tommy explains well I'm going to drown him in Crystal Lake and we also learn that praying can save you from Jason maybe that's right right because right. the power of prayer yeah because Jason stumbles into this children's cabin they're all sleeping everyone's kind of on like holding their breath a little bit like is this going to be the first time that Jason kills a child cross <laughs> or, your fingers or many of them and he, I was I was significantly frightened this might be the time. Well, no, there was, there was a part of me that said, no, 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 no. Especially without, there was no gratuity really from death scenes or from nudity in this movie leading up to this point. And I was a little bit worried about all these children being in the mix. And the only thing standing between Jason and all of this mass murdering of small children were these two you know bullshit girls and <laughs> and man, now they're yeah, gone when, when when he goes in there and stands over the little child i had a there's a small part of me that was very worried about what was about to happen but 
for the most part, like a the vast majority vast majority of of me was saying no. He's he's gonna like see his innocence in the child, and he's gonna let li- li- the children live. Like there's no way, there's no way, no way he can kill all these children. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just, it can't happen. It can't happen. Such a letdown, happen. right? Yeah. Well, more than anything, the sound of the cops arriving at the camp pull him away to more important matters. Yeah, he could have brutally murdered every child in that cabin if it weren't for the police officer showing up. Yeah. Or he was judging her like you would judge like a weird animal that you hadn't seen before. If it moved too fast, you'd stab it. But if it didn't, you'd let it live. So, you know, <laughs> if she had made one little jerk, you would have freaked out and been like, oh, shit. Oh, I don't. Is that uh, bad? I don't it, care. It's a good thing little Nancy didn't have Parkinson's, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, if, if she were laying in bed, Michael J. Foxing, she... Oh, could you stop <laughs> Just leave him alone, all right? That's why this That's why this movie got boring for you in the middle. You wish that little girl was in a wheelchair. Constantly attacking Canadians. Constantly. Oh. And like, yeah, I already said that the, the, the sound of the cops pulling up is what pulls Jason away. And that's what it is. Garrus is there with his two officers, Officer Thornton and Officer Pappas. Handsome, handsome Officer Pappas. Mm-hmm. Checking himself out in the side of the car. Mm-hmm. And Officer Thornton has worked himself down by the dock. He's looking around. Jason's in the bushes. And then Jason shows us a skill we've never seen before, which is his ability to throw knives. like a dart or a spear or something from his utility belt yes it makes me wonder more and more about this Bert character like Bert is at a company retreat paintball match with a machete a knife <laughs> yes. and whatever dart this is in his belt that adds to how strange it is it is not a corporate retreat quit calling it a corporate retreat it's a weird okay back thing back going. off whatever the event was what the fuck is up with Bert yeah, if Jason hadn't killed him, I think Bert was going to. I mean, the way it sounds, like, going off on Katie, the the oh, woman yeah. there, like, he would have killed her. Yeah, that was the last straw. <clears throat> he was already on edge, and then getting beat by a bunch of guys, but getting beat by a woman? A woman? Either way, <laughs> Officer Thornton <laughs> takes a perfect shot. He throws this weird, you know, sharp metallic projectile object right in the forehead, Hits him so hard he like gets thrown off of the dock into one of the boats that is sitting next to the dock. And boom, there we go. Death 15, Officer Thornton out of the picture. It's, I mean, it kind of looked like another one of those railroad spikes that Jason just finds somewhere. Yeah. Which sets us up for Officer Papa's death, which comes immediately afterwards. Death number 16. Uh, Officer or Sheriff Garris has noticed that one of the girls is missing from the cabins. That's Nancy. And we cut over to Officer Pappas, who's searching around. He thinks that somebody's in the bushes. And Nancy comes up behind him and scares the shit out of him. Yep. Good and thing to do. She's lucky he didn't shoot her in the face, right? Because that's how cops in this town seem to react to problems. <laughs> it's just to raise your gun at it. And she was begging for it. If he had accidentally shot at her, I would have had sympathy. Well, I mean, she's running around just freaking people out, scaring people. And first thing she does with Officer Pappas is start... Oh, there's a scary man walking around. There's, you know, and just telling him all that shit. So he's, first, he's already on edge. Almost shot this little girl in the face. Mm-hmm. Now he has to deal with this scary man, sees him, yep. and finds out this scary man is bulletproof. Yes. And that's, and it's a good little, it's a good little scare scene too, because the girl's like, there's a bad man, there's a bad man. He's like, what bad man are you talking about? Boom, boom, bad man. Bad man. <laughs> big, big bad man. And, um, just as a side note, 
if Sheriff Papa had turned around and blew away that little girl in the face <laughs> with a shotgun, you guys would have, like, stood up off the couch and been like, Yeah! <laughs> yes! It, it would have, No, it would have been a quiet celebration. Like, mouths open, looking at each other, <laughs> like, No, no, <laughs> no. I, I would have put a star next to it for my creative kill vote. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kill of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Little girl <laughs> gets ragdolled. Um, but Officer Papa's, he gets a, a, an old Voorhees favorite, Skull Crush. The bare-handed Skull Crush. Wish the eye had popped out in 3D. Mm. That's yeah. all it was missing. No, I know Nathan was missing that. <laughs> this is a real Skull Crush. This is a believable Skull Crush. Because before, he wasn't supernatural, in my opinion. This movie is insinuating he was supernatural at that point, but I, while watching the third one, did not have that impression, and I don't believe that he had the strength to squish that guy's head. Oh, good. No, no. Now, now we get to my favorite part with the kids, because Sheriff Garris comes in after Papa's eats it. And he's, he gets all the boys to come out of their cabin and to go into the girls' cabin so that he's got all the children in one place. I guess you could also say that Jason has all the children in one place now. And he tells the, kid, tells the kids to just hide under their beds. And no matter what they do, don't come out from under their beds. And then he leaves. And all the kids take action movie, full-on body dives underneath their bed. <laughs> all swan diving onto the floor. Yes. As opposed to just... Getting on the floor. Yes, there are 12 children simultaneously slow-mo diving away from a fake movie explosion under their beds. Holy shit. Worth watching over again if you didn't catch it the first time. I am just kind of imagining things in my mind. Like just picturing Jason murder. Start start slicing up children and just some of them wake up and they try to get away and he just you know, hacks at them and they yeah. all start running out towards the police officers that are just out on the road over there. No 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 Nate. Let's let's stop like let's stop fantasizing about what away. the movie should have been and let's get back to what it was. Yep. But that said, you're right, this is a perfect scene set up to kill a bunch of children and maybe get away with it from the MPAA because they're all hiding under their beds. So all Jason would have to do is come in and just stab down through the top of the bed and then pull up a bloody machete <laughs> and go to the next bed. <laughs> oh, no. I think the MPA, the MPAA would have been like, did he Did he just kill those children? <laughs> no, this is not being released. Blah, blah, blah. What's higher than X? You have to cut this out. I can't believe you left this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if only we'd seen a bunch of children die. But we don't. Oh. Uh, yet another thing this movie could have done better. Yeah. Well, they're all sorely, sorely lacking on dead children. He has nothing against killing handicapped people. Why not children? They're or, basically, or animals. Or animals. They're basically handicapped people anyway. Yeah. <sighs> now we have a long little battle between Officer Garris and Jason. Because Officer Garris walks out, immediately falls over. Trips over Papas. He trips over Papas, gets a bunch of his bloody snot on his face. <laughs> Which is disgusting. And then Jason is standing right there. And they just kind of stare at each other for like 15 seconds. Like Officer or Sheriff Garris with his shotgun. Jason with his machete. Just staring at each other. Jason makes a move. And 
the sheriff blows him away and he falls down and then gets up and he blows him away again and he falls down and he gets up <laughs> and, and they go through this 30 or 40 times but he keeps getting up quicker you notice that like mm-hmm. the first time he fell down it was like yeah well i guess he's dead i'm gonna go do the, the horror trope thing and go check out the dead body and get really close to him nope yep. gets back up and gets back up with like the sit-up motion where he's doing the whole 3D lurch like, for lur- lurching at the camera sort of thing. But every time he they're gets back up. They're establishing his supernaturalness. Yeah. Over and over and over. That is correct. And I kind of like that the shotgun puts him off balance. But if he was truly supernatural, wouldn't he? Why is he playing dead? Wouldn't it just blow him back and he would move right away? Like, why is he stopping movement? Right. There's no reason for it in terms of the supernatural aspect. Yeah, they could have just had him just keep coming. Like, maybe take a knee and then just back up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like it, well, like uh, Terminator 2, you know? Yeah. Well, let's think about this from Jason's perspective. Back. He's had a long couple days. Maybe he's tired. Mm-hmm. We don't see him napping anytime. Little micro naps. He's supernatural. He'll sleep when everyone's dead. <laughs> That's true. Nice. Is that tagline? <laughs> and it's, it's the new He'll tagline. He'll sleep when everyone's dead. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a, maybe a Nightmare on Elm Street tagline. Maybe. But the, the shotgun runs out of bullets. So of course, if you're in a movie and, you, and your gun runs out of bullets, you throw your gun away. Uh-huh. Uh, his handgun runs out of bullets. He throws that away. He takes off into the woods to hide. Because he's like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's not going to fucking die. I have no other All these people doing the smart thing. Yeah. Because it seems like in any other Friday the 13th movie, it's like, oh, this gun's out of bullets. Uh, let me use my other one. Oh, that gun's out of bullets. Fuck, I'm just going to stand here. Yep. You know? And now, while he's off in the woods, having Jason follow him around and terrifying him, uh, Megan and Tommy show up. Megan runs straight for S- Sissy and Paula's cabin. <laughs> and it's covered in blood. So much blood. Poor, poor Paula is just smeared over every exposed piece of wall, every exposed piece of fabric. That cabin is brutal. And I love every time someone stumbles in there. Yeah, it. I was telling Daniel when I saw it, it reminded me of the first season of Dexter when Dexter goes into that hotel room and everything is just covered with gallons and gallons of blood and he freaks out. It looked like that, just in a shitty 80s cabin. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's great. Blood everywhere. Like, how does that one body have that much blood in it? <laughs> it's like they took a fire hose to it. And so then they rush over to the kids' cabin. They scare the shit out of all the kids because the kids think it's Jason, but it's just them. It's just it's just Megan at that point, isn't it? Because Tommy's, like, messing around with a chain. Yeah. And Megan comes in kind of weirdly, like... Mother Teresa-ish. She like holds uh-huh. her arms open and all the children flock to her and she's like, yes, my babies, come to me. And yeah, Tommy is putting his trap together, which is involves a chain. When he said he's going to the store to get supplies, he was going to the store to get a chain. And a padlock. And a padlock, okay. And uh, the huge-ass rock, I guess he was just going to find on his own somewhere when the time came right. Good thing he found one around the lake. Because he almost forgot it, too. He, like, gets in the canoe, and he has the chain. He's, like, looking at the chain in his one hand and his empty hand. And he's, like, chain, empty hand, chain, empty. A rock! I need a rock! <laughs> and he goes back onto shore <laughs> and gets a rock. 
And <sighs> Megan runs off to the car to call the radio, and that's when Sissy's head falls out of the car, and that just that's that's too much for her. Now she's in the middle of the road screaming at the sky for her daddy all the kids that are in the cabin who are looking to her to be the strong one are like oh fuck (laughs) (laughs) we're dead meat yeah exactly there's those two little boys that are talking to each other like the weird two young boy comedy true like Uh, duo they don't have names you know they're just the the only children other than nancy that speak yeah and they're doing like a little routine almost. Yeah. He's like, oh, what were you, what were you going to be when you grew up? Right. Uh, and so Jason hears Megan screaming for help. Ah, uh, yes. Right. And Jason's like, oh, well, can't find that sheriff guy. I'm just going to go to the easy target. Mm-hmm. Sheriff pops out of the woods and jumps on Jason's back and knocks him over and starts beating him in the head with a, with a stone or yeah, like just, something. Yeah, it just takes a big stone to his face. You think he's going to he's going to damage that mask, but he doesn't. But either way, yeah, he's smashing Jason with this rock over and over again in the face. Jason's taking the damage, but he can't really feel the damage, so he's just really getting annoyed. Yeah, right? just really annoyed. And then great death. Sheriff Garris gets a great death. He gets folded in half backwards. They haven't he seen that one. Deserves a before. great death. Yeah, we haven't seen that one before. You're right. It's. He's just he so annoyed. A great death. That he just grabs his shoulders and just goes, "Stop!" <laughs> and bends his his ears to his ankles. It's kind of disturbing watching him bend over like that. And I'm glad they showed him folded over backwards too. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that was a death that if it was going to happen that way, I don't want to leave it to my imagination. I want you to show me what happened to the guy. Yeah, I don't ever again want to have an argument like we had about that one guy's death that liked to walk on his hands and takes the machete to the dick. Oh, right. I don't ever want to have that conversation with you guys again. And that's 17. And if you go by Jonathan's camp, that's all the deaths in this movie is 17. Because that's all you see. (laughs) Or if you go by my camp, there's 18 deaths in this movie. No. Uh, All that's left now is just uh, Tommy's big elaborate trap, right? He's He's got in the boat. He's got the rock in the boat. He's got the chain around the rock. They're out in the middle of the lake. And he's luring Jason out into the water with him. I don't really understand why Tommy needs to set the water on fire around him. I don't get that. It's like his little way of, like, I guess he's trying to lure Jason out of the water. Because Jason's so attracted to fire? Because you can't tell where he's going to pop out? I'm not really sure. But before Jason gets to the water, I like how he explodes through the cabin door. Oh, Jason, ex- yeah. And then once he hears Tommy's voice, he just explodes through a window. Yeah. <laughs> he just like destroys this cabin coming through to find Tommy. Goes to kill Megan. Drops her. He's going to give her a good old-fashioned skull crush. Mm-hmm. Drops her when he hears Tommy calling him a pussy and a maggot head. And come on, Jason, you big pussy. I'm the one you want. Yeah. So Jason walks out there right into the water and right below the water. It, it seems like Jason could have just taking a split second crush megan's head and be like yeah you're right mm-hmm. but he's got the worst fucking add i think i've ever seen oh, in yeah. a slasher killer you know he just keeps you just gotta say his, his head around yeah just make a noise yeah that would have been great too if he just looks at tommy in the water crushes megan's skull <laughs> kind of gives him a little like you know wait a minute gesture yeah and then 
grabs, pulls his machete out, and goes back into the cabin. And yeah. <laughs> children screams for five minutes while he's stuck out in that boat like an asshole. <laughs> but Jason makes his way out there. He goes below the water. Doesn't know where he is. We, no one knows where he is. So he does a bunch of gasoline around the boat. Yeah. Seems very dangerous. Lights it on fire. Makes a ring of fire around the boat. And, of course, where Tommy is looking for Jason is the last place that Jason's going to pop out. So when Jason pops out from behind Tommy and grabs him, no one's surprised, right? Right. Except Jason's got the skull-crushing hand power and gets into just a wrestling match with Tommy on the very unstable boat. Mm -hmm. Can't get Tommy out of the boat. Yeah, it was like watching a thin guy try and pull a fat guy back up onto the boat after he fell out. Right. Yeah. Very awkward tussle. And that chain, what kind of bothers me about that chain is it's not a slipknot on that chain. So it has to be big enough to get around Jason's head, which means it's big enough to get back off of Jason's head. Mm -hmm. Nor does this rock, if Tommy can roll this rock into the boat himself, is this rock heavy enough for this supernatural beast? Not a shot. Like, he should should just pull... I'm getting ahead of myself. (laughs) Um, Anyway, through this tussle, he manages to get the chain onto Jason's neck... Jason's on fire. It it looks cool close up. They do a pull away shot where you see Megan watching from the shore, and from there it looks a little juvenile and amateur, right. just like a tiny fire with a boat and like a couple of guys going like. Eh. Yeah, they shouldn't have done that shot. <laughs> yeah, it kind of stole. They should have left it up close. Could have stole some of the majesty out of it. Finally, Jason gets so pissed off he just jumps up high enough to crush the entire boat. Mm-hmm. And him and Tommy go down in the water <laughs> together. The rock falls to the bottom. We get a cool shot of a. Who's carrying the weight of the rock at this moment when he's crashing the boat in half? The boat is. The boat, yeah. Oh. As, now, as they're at the bottom, Jason's being held down. The rock is heavy enough to kind of hold him under the water. He's at the top of the chain. And he's holding Tommy under the water, too. So as he's trapped, he's also drowning Tommy. And then you just mm-hmm. see Tommy's body float to the surface. Just lifeless, floating, <laughs> face down in the water. Yeah, and Megan rushes out into the water to go get his body and bring him back to shore. But that's not a deep lake. It's No, it's not at all. He was like, Jason almost made it out to Tommy's boat without sinking completely below the water yet. Mm-hmm. So like, it's barely, it doesn't, like, like he's got six inches from his head to the surface of the water that he's trapped <laughs> underneath. Like that's got to be extra torture to be so close. Yeah. But um, as... As Megan gets out there to help Tommy, oh, what do you know it? Jason grabs her leg. They have a whole situation where she can't get out of the water. And we mentioned it earlier. It's done pretty well. Right when you think that he should be strong enough to take her under, he takes her under for a little dip and she pops back up. And she manages to get... I, I think when, when Nate right said Right when it was you done need it well, to happen, too. I, if I, she had had enough time to just sit there and pull on that thing for too long, it would have been unbelievable. You needed a second dip. You needed it. You did. Oh, man, Nate, I was under the impression you were being sarcastic this entire time. Oh, no, you really do. The entire time I was watching it, it was like, Jason still has his hand on her foot. Why is he not pulling her down? Why is he. First of all, Jonathan, water, especially that water right next to his origin story, that's his Achilles heel. That's like kryptonite. Doesn't matter how big the rock is. Why are you defending this movie? He is in a severely weakened state right now, Jonathan. (laughs) It could have been a pebble. (laughs) Oh, my God. Doesn't matter how big the rock is. That's right. You remember that scene in Superman? <laughs> a bit of the, no, 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 no. The scene in Superman when Miss Tessmacher nope. and Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor, they put the 
necklace of kryptonite around him and throw him in that little pool and he just kind of sinks to the bottom because he can't even can't even hold his head above water he's so weak that's camp crystal lake to jason Voorhees. that's mm-hmm. what you're saying miss miss tessmacher miss tessmacher please all the innocent people yeah remember that scene she gets she manages to get the propeller on the motor going and just cranks the motor so that the propeller just tears the shit out of jason's face and neck face and neck area yeah Gives gash in him. Yeah, gives the the mask some good damage. Uh, just a bunch of gore spewing out into the, like from underneath the water from Jason's <laughs> deck until finally his like head snaps really violently, and a bunch of gore spews out with some blood, and the motor gets clogged up, and he's we we're smart enough at that this point that we know he's not dead, but he's at least incapacitated for the time being. She drags Tommy ashore and brings him back to life. Yeah, she she makes out with Tommy's lifeless body for a little bit, and I thought Tommy was gonna be dead for this. I thought for sure, yeah, they should kill him off. That makes sense. Yeah, that, that even just looking at him and and everything that he had been through, he was choked to death by Jason. He was floating face down in water for an extended period of time. He's dead, and he should be dead. Like he, his character's done. Like we don't need his character anymore. And Megan's on the shore of Camp Crystal Lake performing CPR on a corpse. Mm-hmm. But lo and behold, he lives. Tommy lives. Yeah, Tommy lives. And then as they rejoice over Tommy being alive, we cut to the next day or many days later or years later. Who knows how long it is? It's a clean Camp Crystal Lake, a sunny day. Jason's still being held under the water by this rock, but his eyes are open. He's still alive. There's another one coming. <laughs> You know, when I was a kid and I saw the end of this movie, in in my kid memory, it was a boulder holding yes. Jason down. Yes, mine right? too. Mine it, too. Yeah. It was a huge fucking boulder holding him underwater that he was chained to. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I didn't have it that he was chained by his neck. I thought he was chained by his foot with right. a huge boulder. But no. And like deep, deep in the deep. middle of the lake, right? Yeah. Not eight feet of water. No, like like bottom of the ocean deep. Yep. Right? But no, he's chained by his neck to a pebble. And that's enough. Yeah, that rock. Oh, come on, it's not a pebble. Wait, I'm excited. You said we had a, a question to get to. Hmm. These guys are returning a favor. These are the guys. Amish Baby Machine Podcast. At Amish B Machine uh, they wanted to know our thoughts on a fight between Jason and Michael Myers. Now, I would have liked to have fielded this question after we had had a little bit more experience with Michael Myers so that we could discuss this better. But all we have is our kind of outsider knowledge of Michael Myers. I probably have more than you two, I'm assuming, but even mine is kind of vague. I would say that Michael Myers wins hands down. Why? Yeah, why? Because Michael Myers is a twisted son of a bitch. He's not a mongoloid that just mindlessly stalks after his prey and murders it. Nah, he does. Michael Myers does do a lot of that. Yeah, but he's he's got, you know, more edge to him, you know? Like there's a, there's a twisted reason for, for him being what he is. Jason, they don't get into the psychology of what's going on. Yeah, no, Michael Myers is more sentimental than Jason because he's got a little bit more intelligence banging around in that 
in that brain, but they both have the same sort of MO, but they're both mask mutes. They both walk instead of run. They both just stab blindly at anything that moves. That's a tough one for me. Honestly, well, does does Michael Myers become undead later in the series as well and become supernatural like Jason? Or is he straight through all nine or ten Halloween films? So all I really know about Michael Myers, uh, sadly, is the original Halloween movie, the Halloween remake that Rob Zombie did, mm-hmm. and then part two that Rob Zombie did. Right. So I just know the origin story of, of Michael Myers and then him being in an insane asylum and breaking out and killing a whole bunch of people, going back to the house where he grew up and killing a whole bunch of people, right? Being chased by a doctor. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the original Halloween 1, 2, 3 had nothing to I do with Michael because, Myers 4 or 5. Because I was more affected by Halloween's, uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween, than I have been by any of these movies that we've been podcasting about. I would have to say that Michael Myers wins because I'm, I'm more afraid of Michael Myers. I'm going to rate it based on my fear. Because it's very easy to kill Jason. You just have to lure him back to his origin point with a boat and some fire. <laughs> um, get yourself a rock. A pebble. Ste- steady rock and, and a chain and just uh, plop him into the water. <laughs> yes, that, that is true. But Michael Myers has this whole similar... Like, just how Jason can be quickly foiled by mentioning his mom or reminding him of him being a little boy. Michael Myers has the same thing with like his sister. Yep. You start popping out pictures of his sister or talking about his sister. He starts dropping his weapons and getting all sentimental and slow. <laughs> so, like, they have similar weaknesses. Like, that's, that's, that's a tough one for me. I don't really know. I feel like they both just kind of fight each other for a while until they're both almost dead and then get distracted and go kill other people. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a very good point. Um, you could kind of, you know, one of you could run out and... You know, distract Jason that way. And then one of you could run out and distract Michael Myers with stuff about his sister that way, you know? Are you and trying like, to say you want both of us dead? <laughs> and then, like, <laughs> That's and then what like, it sounds kind of like. Just, just kind of lure them into each other's path. And just, maybe they wouldn't even fight. Maybe they wouldn't know what to do. You think they'd just stare at each other and admire each other's masks? They just watch other <laughs> shit. <laughs> and vice versa and vice versa thank Maybe. you that's a perfect way to go out thank you Amish Baby Machine Podcast thanks guys for uh, giving us our one only question that we answered today I appreciate that return the favor check those guys out anything you guys Jason, want I think Jason would bend Michael Myers over and fuck him in the ass mm. getting... and vice versa and vice versa <laughs> <laughs> They'd watch, they'd watch each other poo. Yeah, there it is. Awesome. So, do we need to slip another Jason movie in for next week, or are we keeping pace with the Freddy franchise? I think if we do a Freddy, and then do two more Jasons after that, I think we will have balanced. Balance it out. Okay, so next week is Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Right, and then we do Jason 7 and 8, and then we come back to New Nightmare. And then we come back to Jason for 9, 10, 10 and then Freddy vs. Jason. And then Freddy vs. Jason, which is both of them. Mm-hmm. And then the remakes. Right. And then the remakes. But they each only have Jeez. one. So Jesus Christ. And by Jesus Christ, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So 
I feel kind of dedicated to these franchises now because we're so deep into them. I feel like we should finish them off the way we're going. Yeah. But after these franchises, <clears throat> I think I have a whole new system to put into place to kind of keep us uh, more excited about the next one. Yeah, we're going to jump around. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Cover I'm more, excited, Cover man. more ground. I think, I think jumping around is a great idea because it'll – we will come back and do the rest of the franchise of other franchises. It just won't be right away, you know? Exactly. We just have to have more patience. Oh, yeah. Favorite death. Let's get that out of the way real quick. Favorite death. Nate. You want me to pick my favorite death? Let's throw some candidates out there. Folding in half. Folding in half was good. Uh, Paula being liquefied. Is, is that what happened? It, she kind of went into like a machete blender, didn't she? She did. There's enough blood in there for... It looks like five people were killed in that room. Wait a minute. Paula's the one that the blood flashed across the window, yep. and then her body lumped over the edge of the window, and then he dragged her back in, and then <laughs> yep. later, on they, later on they go in and see the massacre that was Paula. Yep. yep. I would have to... I'm going, I'm going hard on Paula. I like that death. That was fun. That is a good one. That amused me. It genuinely amused me. Uh, because at first I was like, really? Because I thought it was going to be lame. It did a wide shot of the house. The, ah! And then <laughs> the blood across the window. And I was like, oh, great. It's just going to be blood across the window. Smashed through the window. <laughs> lumped over the ledge. Dragged back in. <laughs> just like, okay, no, that was great. Yeah. Nope. Didn't he look like she was trying to get away? It looks like he was doing something even worse to her. And she slipped out of his grip for a second. Yeah. <laughs> or like he purposely threw her into the window. Yeah. Right? Like I like the idea of the sheriff being folded in half, but just seeing Paula getting dragged back in. Yep, that made and, it. And everyone's reaction to the bloody room, because that bloody room was walked in on by, what, what like two, three separate people? Yep. And yep. they're all like, oh, holy shit, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, all of them. Right? That, to me, just makes it. Yep. That's. I think that's the only all. other one would be the triple decapitation. Triple decapitation or the first one, Hawes' death. Oh, punched his heart out. Yeah, punched his heart out. One. Yeah, right. But it even... wasn't that good. It was too fast. It was too, you know. We we didn't we didn't get time to to sink into the to the Friday the Thirteenth mindset. It was like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? Yeah, too what violent, too quick. Is... And shouldn't there have been yeah, some like rib bits? You know, like you're punching been. through a bone and stuff as well. Yeah. So yeah, I guess let's go with Paula. Fuck it. We all really enjoyed her being pulled back inside, which means we're all incredibly disturbing motherfuckers. Hey, yep. And just the whole bloody room. I mean, that's just the icing on the cake, really. Yep. It's everyone's reaction to, oh, God, Jesus Christ. <laughs> It'd be great to someone just sort of throwing up immediately when they open the door. <laughs> 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 or like if one of the kids had walked in. Yeah. Oh, that would have been great. All right. Agreed. Paula's death. That wasn't hard. All right, guys. Well, I really enjoyed doing this podcast with you guys tonight. Thanks for coming out. Thanks, guys. We love you. We miss you. We'll see you again next week for some Freddy. Return to me. Oh, my dear, I'm so lonely. Hurry back, hurry back. Oh, my love, hurry back. I am yours. That's what we should do. We should talk sports at the end. Give like an over-under for the next movie. <laughs> do like a nudity over-under. We all would have lost money on nudity in this yeah. movie. Yep. Yep. 
Oh my God, would we have? God. After we Tina, doubling down nothing. after that last one, <laughs> we would have been doubling down. We would have been like tits everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. Give me the over. From four to five and then to six? Yeah. I mean, it should be just like a huge Caligula-type orgy with a hockey mask and a machete. That's what it should be. Forgive me And please say you are mine Nate, it's just you and me. Daniel's walked out of the room. Not quite sure what's happening. Why did he walk out of the room? Maybe all these Friday the 13th franchises have gotten to him. And Maybe he realizes. Maybe he just had the epiphany just now that these movies are absolute dreck. Yeah, that's what I was and getting at. Thank you for hijacking my thought. And, and that um, this whole, you know, podcast idea with the 100 Lunatics podcast is like a dirge. Just serenading him into into depression until there's nothing left except these shitty movies to hang on to. You just went really dark with all that. <laughs> Yikes! So do, so do, so do, so do Yeah.